0: day, And this is Wanda Sabir. You are joining us for Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program, the African Sisters Media Network. And we are just like so excited to have one, two, three. We're so excited to have like six black men on the air this morning to talk about this wonderful project, Black Men Embracing Our Light, which is program one of the Afro Solo Arts Festival, number 26. Oh, my goodness, Thomas, congratulations. Number 26, Thanks. like, really?
1: Yeah, how did that happen?
0: I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Because I know it happened at a birthday party.
2: Like,
1: yeah, Like, so you. long
0: ago, like, like, do you still count, Thomas? I mean,
1: really? Uh, <laughs> 26? <yeah. laughs> Yes, it's uh, marvelous, and it's really good that um, we've been able to sustain ourselves uh, with the support mm-hmm. of a lot of wonderful people, a lot of support from the community, a lot of great artists, and um, funders to make this. You know, allow us to be able to continue to do the work. You know, our goal right. has been to provide provide a, um, a forum for Black people to give mm-hmm. voice to our experience through solo performances and the visual yeah. and literary arts, and here we are now at. Age twenty
0: six. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. You know, like after twenty five, you know, your mind is developed and you are really a grown person. So like, Afro Sola is like grown. (laughs) So we're supposed to be an adult. You are totally an adult. Yeah, and and this is amazing. You know, um, black men embracing our light. You know, we were just sort of just talking. You know, before the show started. You know, Larry Griffin. His piece is called My First Day in Jail. Uh, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Greer, Resurrection, and I've had Jeffrey on my show lots of times. And yeah, I didn't know like Resurrection. Like, really, where you been, Greg? Uh, Jeffrey, like, really, you rising up? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then we got you know Mr. Freddie Lee Johnson taking care of the long tone. You know, this wonderful musician, creative artist, um, writer. And and I've been, like, trying to get you on my show forever. I don't know how I lucked out. Good morning.
1: <laughs> good morning, Wanda. Again, um, I know we're going to get into some good conversations, but I just want to thank you again as we get started mm-hmm. for allowing us to come on and share what we're doing with your uh, congregation. So thank you very much for having us.
0: <laughs> oh, no problem. And then, you know, we've got Mr. Vernon, my dearest, uh, Medeiros, Is it? How am I pronouncing? Am I pronouncing it right, Vernon?
3: Yes, you're pronouncing it right, Vernon Medeiros.
0: Yeah, and we're both Gemini's. When's your birthday? <laughs> My
3: birthday is this coming Monday, Memorial Day. I'll be 65 years old. I'll be a Ooh. official senior citizen.
0: Official, you got your AARP card. <laughs> yep, I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> although we've been able to get discounts since we were 50 nowadays you know they they've sort of moved yeah. the, the elder age down but um right. yeah yeah so so Thomas I know every year you have this theme and I remember those letters that elders were writing to young people to sort of yeah. share some wisdom to keep them from going astray um, um, mm-hmm. You know, El Hajj Malik El Shabazz's birthday was last Wednesday,
1: and mm. I was speaking
0: to um, Professor Manu Ampin, and he was saying that um, El Hajj Malik El Shabazz, you know, his life was sort of like fell into these different stages, like between yes. um, school age and around thirteen, fourteen. He was, you know, valedictorian of his his class, and then and then you know his father was killed, and his mother was institutionalized. And then, um, you know, he was put in a foster care and, you know, his dreams were kinda like destroyed. And then he had like that that thug section of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then he, you know, all the time he was, you know, sort of with his family and, you know, his family was influencing him, um, you know, about, you know, sort of other directions that his life could take. And so he, he learned about the nation of Islam and of Elijah Muhammad and he sort of came back to his roots, so to speak, you know, what his mother had taught him. And mm-hmm. and and he um you know, he he transformed his life. Um and, and when he came out of prison, you know, he, he grew the nation of Islam from an idea into a real nation and then the last stage was, you know, him becoming an international leader. Um, and so so I'm just sort of thinking about that and thinking about, you know, um these stories, you know, that, that, you know, the men who are joining us right now are going to be telling and and some of the other projects. So I was just wondering, Thomas, if you could talk about sort of black men embracing our light um, and and sort of your impetus for this particular um, uh, Afro Show Solo Festival Program 1, June 9th through 13th. And I think it's free, isn't
1: it? It's going to be online and it will be free, yes. Uh, which is wow. great. Well, black mm-hmm. men embrace novel lives. One of the themes that we've had several times throughout our 26 years is to provide space for black men to tell our stories from our point mm-hmm. of view. And in our society, one of the critical areas that we have um, found ourselves has been in the criminal justice system for one reason or or another. And I've always wanted to have people to talk about that experience. Um, It's, for me, it it kind of theater and the arts kind of open a window to oneself to let others see who they are, but also for them to find out more about who they are. And my goal is through this open wonder experience that we become much more understanding of each other, much more empathetic of each other. Now, in terms of um, uh, the theme embracing our lives, there are times that uh, our light that, you know, we do things we may not want in the light. But to be whole, I think at some point we have to embrace, you know, our full selves. And having men talk about their experience uh, in, this juvenile, in the uh, criminal justice system, whether it's one day or 15 or 20 years, is a way of, of, of helping to heal that. But not only heal it for the individual, but heal it for the whole community. And mm-hmm. such themes come up for me as forgiveness, you know, forgiveness of self, um, uh, redemption, uh, given back to community, Justice, but one thing that I've just working with the men that I work with the last couple of years uh who uh, have been able to uh, conquer drug addiction, that's phenomenal because, as I often say, I can't go past a pint of ice cream without wanting to indulge so people who have been able to overcome addictions, I just put them almost on a pedestal. And a number of the men that we work with have done that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember you were going to be making, writing, uh, taking those letters um, from the, the elders to the youth, and, and doing a book. Did Did you ever come out? Did Did you produce that book? I haven't
1: produced that book. That book is still a work in progress. And okay. I have some wonderful letters that will be in it. And uh, mm-hmm. that's still one of the uh the items on my uh bucket list to do to complete.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. And and so Thomas, how did these men that have joined us this morning, how did they end up becoming a part of this this you know, iteration of of this particular program, which I hope you're going to continue, because I'm sure there are a lot of other stories that you could tell, that, that other people can tell.
1: I certainly hope so. And they came through various means. There is an organization here in San Francisco called Mentoring Men's Movement, which is an organization that works with um, mostly black men, but any man who is in jail or prison um, to help prepare them for their uh, time out and hopefully have a successful uh, reentry or returning, as we call them, returning citizens, a return to, uh, return to home. So I got connected with them, and so while hearing some of them talk, I was uh, enamored and, uh, I mean, just in lots of ways overwhelmed about hearing the stories. So I thought this would be great to get some of these stories down and to tell people. So that was how it got started, and I met each one of the people today through that process, except mm-hmm. for uh, Freddie. I met him through another program that does, that does some similar type work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And right. I do yeah. hope to continue. I do hope to continue working in this arena.
0: hmm yeah. So Thomas, we're gonna um, we're gonna circle back around and, and let you talk about program two because you're gonna be um, revisiting that wonderful story that you tell about your family, Courage Under Fire, the liberation of Elroy, uh, yes. written and performed by you. And I, I know for quite a few of these pieces, you either acted as director in concert with another director or dramaturge because um, that's what you do in Afro Solo. You help people write their story. You help them, you know, m- you know, mount it, and then you give them a space to share the work. So that's really wonderful. And, you know, at a time when people are sort of Black Lives Matter has become, you know, sort of the rally and cry, Afro Solo was already talking about Black Lives. <laughs> and it's one of the few venues left where black folks can get together, you know, on stage and tell their stories uninterrupted and and also um undiluted, like you don't have to compromise your truth um in these spaces that you have um pre, you know you have created uh Thomas over the years, which is really, really wonderful, so we're gonna start with Larry Griffin um you could talk about my first day in jail, and I was just thinking um uh, if i if I read your bio, I'm gonna tell the story, so I'm not gonna read your bio. <laughs> You could uh, tell us about tell us your story. I just thought it was crazy that um, you were arrested at in second grade because I'm thinking first grade is five, second grade uh, first grade is 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 six maybe, the kindergarten is five, and so you were like seven I think.
4: I think I was uh, around seven. You know they the grading system of school is different now, so. I want to say I was in maybe second grade, I guess. Mm hmm. Yeah. Second
0: grade. But you were a baby, like a little child.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that part. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Where do women to start? Um,
0: oh, just. You know, share, share, share like uh, some information. Like, tell us who you are and tell us about the story. You don't give it. You know, you don't have to give away everything. Okay. But just talk a little okay. bit about about your life and and you know why you wanted to share this story. Um, you know, in in uh, in Afro Solo and um, <clears throat> yeah, and you could talk about you know sort of how you wrote it if you like and you know um the director um you know Wayne Harris I love his work um he was he was a uh, Director of, of your piece, uh, my first day in jail, and Wayne Harris, he writes his stories are all about his life, you know, right. um, growing up in in Michigan. Is it Detroit? Um, and I mean, his one about mother's milk, that was like, oh my gosh, that was when I first met I think him. It was, I think
1: it was in St. Louis.
0: St. Louis, okay, Missouri, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Thomas. Yeah. So anyway, um,
1: well,
0: and and I Thomas, if you, started... wanna, if you want to, if you want to engage, you can also, you know. You could talk
1: to because you yeah. know you know the work. Sure. So, yeah. um, Larry, can you tell yes. a little bit about how you got started working with me? How did we meet? Do you remember one of those breakfasts? We met.
4: We met at uh, uh, you know, uh, one of my relatives uh, is uh, part of that uh, mentoring group, and yeah, he had me, he had me come and you know he wanted me to come and you know support and you know, share with the men and stuff. I guess I was about, ooh, maybe three years ago. Yeah. Going on for it, yeah. And I met you, Thomas. Uh, um, my cousin mentioned that you were starting a, a, a workshop. I said, well, hell, hell, I'm not doing that. Let me, let me go. Let me go check it out. And from there, uh, uh, he was asking us to write something about ourselves and and we went, from there went to something else, and then went to um, um, I don't know. I have a subject came up about uh, being in jail. So I uh, and when you and when you said that, I remember that uh, uh, wow, man, I was a kid. I was a kid, um, uh, six or seven, experiencing juvenile and how it happened. In, in a classroom setting and, and you know uh i guess that's my first that was my first um first
1: introduction you
4: told it. yeah what but also um i want to say since the, the the woman was uh caucasian maybe my first introduction to racism i don't know you know for mm, um, mm. for her to do that like that Mm-hmm. You know, you know.
1: And one of the so. methods that I use in uh, working with uh, the you know everyone is a Socratic. If someone mentions a subject. I began to ask questions about it. And then in asking questions, it draws out the story a little bit more and a little bit more. Larry was saying right. that we worked on some things, and then he had to go back and, you know, ask, ask questions, and then he would fill in those questions. Then he bring up other things, and the story just kind of grew and developed.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that mentoring group, you know, um, I think it has been, Attending it maybe because it was like once a month on on Saturdays and yes. uh, uh, the, one of the guys that uh, runs the group is uh, my cousin mm-hmm. and he he was instrument into uh, instrumental in because uh, I'm I'm a recovering person I'm a recovering addict and when I got out of jail ooh nice ninety five when i got in re- when i got in recovery my cousin was uh he was doing a he was doing a group it was in, uh i think it was uh, domestic on in the domestic violence or was it on on um um what was it domestic violence
1: Well, anyway excuse me i was just gonna say his name is george Durand Yeah, George Orasmus. And he's been involved with, you know, the system for, you know, 20 or 30 years. And it's amazing to hear the number of men come out to talk about his influence and how he was so helpful with them. So this is uh, Larry's cousin. So go ahead, Larry.
4: Yeah, and, yeah, he was instrumental for me, um, you know, sticking around in recovery. Oh, it was anger management. Okay. And uh, I end up... uh, uh because i you know took some anger management classes fast forward you know in recovery i was a counselor and i, and I, I, I had some anger management uh classes and i was i was uh, uh i teach anger management i do I a few things in recovery and he just he, one time he just told me hey man i need you to come and support this group and that's how i uh got hooked, hooked up with uh with Thomas and from there I just went, you know, I'm born and raised in the city of San Francisco mm-hmm. um, in the 60s. I was caught up in the head Ashbury, ship heel thing back in the day where it said where marijuana at the time was, it was from the earth, so it's non-addictive. But yeah, that was, that was something. But yeah, born, or, you know, came up in, in, in in the '60s in the San Francisco area. One uh, of the, um, uh,
1: all the, everyone has a really interesting story in lots of different ways, but mm-hmm. Larry has a very interesting story. Larry, can you tell us a little bit about the barbershop and uh, who came into your barbershop? Just sort of talk about that. That Yeah, my, my,
4: yeah, my dad was a barber. and He's one of, the, I'm assuming he's one of the best barbers in the, at the time at Chicago Barbershop and he had a couple of other barbershops. Um and, you know, the local inter- the entertainers and the uh, uh, uh the basketball players uh, Nate Thurman, Willie Mays, entertainers like uh, uh, uh Sam Cook. Sam Cook was was the one that stood out for me because uh on my birthday one time he came by and came in the barber shop and gave me a fifty dollar bill. In nineteen sixty two, you know how much fifty dollars could get you in nineteen sixty two? And I'm I'm unaware how how famous he was. You know, so I was tell
1: us how you found out how tell us how you found out how famous he was. Um
4: After. You know, um uh, uh when he, actually when he passed, um Guy came in the barbershop and said, "Hey man, man, Sam is dead." And I'm, I said, "I know he ain't talking about because I, I called him my play uncle. I know ain't talking about him." Yeah, that's how I found out he passed. And then I start, you know, I started listening to his music after, after he passed. So, um, the the thing about that, I got introduced to a lot of uh, uh, politicians. Uh, uh, Athletes, so I was exposed to a lot of good stuff, and also to a lot of bad stuff. So,
1: uh, yeah, I guess. uh, Does it give you a good flavor, Wanda?
0: Yes, yes. Okay, great. Yeah, very, very good flavor. Wow. Um, Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in San Francisco as well, and you know, I didn't get haircuts, but my brother brother did. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like when you when you when you mention your father's barbershop, I was like, hmm, I wonder if my brother went to his shop. Where 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 were or where are your dad's barbershops?
4: Well, the, uh, the first one I can remember was that, was that Chicago barbershop. This was like sixty something. Chicago barbershop was originally on Post and Fillmore. Then it moved down to. Uh, they don't film a lot around O'Farrell and Gary. But my mm-hmm. father had another barbershop on on uh on Sutter There it was a uh, lot across the street from the Girls Y. Then there was the one uh on Fillmore and McAllister where right I the streets from a club called The Blue Mirror. And uh how I many? Four or five four about four or five different ones that I, that I can keep up with.
0: Wow! Yeah, oh, that's so. It's cool.
4: all in the same area. Yeah.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I look forward to um, to seeing you know seeing your work. Um, yeah, it should be interesting. Um, uh, you know, plays. I, I still haven't gotten used to the different ways that um, uh, productions appear in 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 a online platform. So it should be interesting. Um, maybe, Thomas, you could talk about that a little later on, about how with the look of, of the production um, in an online platform, um, yeah. okay. you know, sort of how you're, how you're making that work theatrically.
1: Um, and it's a work in progress. This is the first time we've done mm-hmm. this uh, because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. So we're kind of yeah. learning as we go.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. So Jeffrey Greer, you your piece is called yeah. Rotten, and um and you know, we know you as the manager of the San Francisco Recovery Theater, uh, whose mission is to organize the synergy between actors, scripted material and newcomers, recently incarcerated and homeless performers. Um however, I I don't oh. I didn't did I know that you were a recovering addict? I don't I don't think I knew this. <laughs> um <Well>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. talk about talk about resurrection and and um you know I know you you know you graduated with a BA in psychology from San Francisco State University and 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 you I know you all you use theater as a tool for recovery and sobriety because um, you know that's your venue <laughs> you know theater arts um, but you also I think you also are um, a therapist too. So anyway, yeah, so talk about this work and 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 how, you know, why you wanted to be a part of this this um debut um uh fraternity.
2: <laughs>
0: well, you know, I
5: think that um first of all, I'm not a therapist.
0: Can, oh, you're not. Can a, you yeah. hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I'm not
5: mm-hmm. a therapist. But you know, I think that the practice of therapy is, is you know, very broad. And there's an opportunity to uh, heal among everyone. Um, Thomas and I have known each other for years. And we kind of bounced around back and forth. And uh, a couple of years ago, he was talking about the project. And I said, you know, that, that fits Recovery Theater. That fits us. And I said, that that's a that's a nice thing. So we just kept talking and, and kind of interfacing and kind of playing around with it and um I kind of kinda of lost track for a minute, but he uh he pulled this together and I said, You know what, I'll I'll be a part. I'll be a part because in the growth process recovery is really discovery. That's all it's about. I mean, you need to keep trying to evolve. And take yourself to the next level, and uh, I felt it was only appropriate that I walk walk the talk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so this story that you're telling—is it a story that is new to the stage, um, or have you ad- adapted something we've already seen?
5: No, this is um, completely new material. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody's ever seen it. Uh, only my closest friends know the story. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very personal to me, and it's very intimate. And it took a lot to even decide to put myself out there like that. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> but I think that it's important for people to know. I think it's important to join the fraternity There's of uh Uh, Brothers and sisters that, you know, have fought, battled, some won, some lost, and it goes on because uh, another friend of mine was asking me, so you recovered? No, I'm not recovered. I'm recovering, but I, you know, you don't, I'm not recovered. You know, there's, there's, (laughs) when you speak about what I, what I really need to recover from, it's, it's just, you know, it takes on uh It takes on something bigger than you can even comprehend, so um there's so many different layers to 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 what this story implicates to me, and so it is different, it is new, it has another dimension to me myself, you know
1: and one thing that I will add that I greatly admire in the telling of these stories is that it takes courage. And you've shown a whole lot of courage in working on uh, the piece that you've worked on. And I just wanted to thank you and say that I admire that from you as well as from the other guys. So courage is really important and significant. Thank you, Thomas.
0: Yeah, and Thomas, you you direct um, uh, Jeffrey in this work.
1: Yes, yes. Um, as he said, we've worked together, we've known each other for uh, a long time, and it's been really a pleasure to work with him. And, again, in working with him on his piece, piece in terms of the dramaturgy, again, is all of us have so much in us. It's a matter of how do we try to uh, pull some of that out, and what do we want to go public, what do we want to keep private, and, but keeping a, a, a real, clean, clear story. So uh, that process has been very good also and I think people will really uh, get quite a bit out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering, um, uh Jeffrey, I was just thinking um when Thomas mentions courage, I was just thinking about um I'm sure everyone knows this exercise where um where you um you fall and, and the people behind you are supposed to catch you.
2: Yes, right. <laughs> yes, yeah, like
0: I am not doing that. But anyway, I, I admire people who <laughs> <to> do that.
2: <laughs> well, uh, we no. used to do, You might used turn to away and kids.
1: That. I used to work with kids, and that was one of uh-huh. the exercises that we did. And mm-hmm. um, I could get you to do it without a problem. I was able to get kids to catch me who were like seven, eight, nine years old. So there is that fear, but there's a way of helping people feel comfortable. And part of the process Mm. of theater is trying to uh, allow that comfort to come out so you can feel that you can trust. Um, Mm. So that's part Mm -hmm. of the process also. Uh,
5: uh,
1: Jeffrey, were you going to say something? Yeah,
5: I was going to say, um, you know, it's kind of like um, you you need to feel that trust. Yeah. But you really got to begin to trust yourself. You know, after a while it begins to, you ever seen that little movie clip of a little baby? Scared to death to get in the water, scared, just crying and kicking and you know, just going through all these changes. Somebody yeah. said, well, why don't you stand up? And the baby stood up and the water's like three inches tall. You know, some of the things that we create, <laughs> some of the uh-huh. issues that we create, You know, when you really step back and you take a bird's eye view, they're so small um, as compared to where we are going as a people, as an individual, as on a global. Uh, We're no longer, you know, you can no longer operate as if you are a, a, a solo individual. You know, we're traveling through this thing together. You know, somebody, somebody, somebody misses a turn. We're all in the car. we all
3: going for a ride.
5: So it's right. real important that we take care of our direction, our own direction.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the story that, that you tell, um, can you tell us a little bit about? the story that you're telling um, that no one has that knows unless they really, really know you, like your intimate friends, people don't know this story. And why is it called Resurrection?
5: I'll say nothing. You'll just have to tune in.
2: <laughs> no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's
5: Resurrection. I mean, the, the title kind of um,
2: mm-hmm. changed.
5: It it morphed. I think I went through about three or four different titles as it it went through. It just kind of became what it was about. And, um, you know, my story, getting to San Francisco, my experience with the drug and alcohol scene and what happened. I mean, in some ways it's a generic story, but in a lot of ways it's very unique because it's me. And I think that it it just took a it just took and put a face on a lot of uh, experience and un, unexplained things about myself. It was very cathartic. That's what I wanted to say. It was very very cathartic. It was like at first I was like I don't really need to do this. I don't need to do. This. I really don't want. To. Okay, all right. I'll help Thomas out. Uh, all right. Okay. All right. Well, And then I started just chipping away at it And it became more and more More and more vital To what I needed to say Um, it, it, It allowed me to look at my history It allowed me to look at The events in my life That formed and created me And it was just a very intimate experience I mean, that's the best I want that's, – that's what I want to say in order for you to understand the emotion. Uh, there's a few juicy pieces in there, too, now. We got we got a little juice in there.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm look, looking forward to it. Um, if we have time, I'm going to circle back and everyone can maybe give us a, a little taste of, of the work. But we're gonna move on. Uh to Freddie Lee Johnson taking care of the long tone. Um uh you write in your bio that um you're sentenced to prison at eighteen, um and uh, your turning point was joining the San Quentin stage band where um you play trumpet and share the stage with legend with legend Sheila E. When paroled in nineteen ninety five, um you became involved with the Harm Reduction Coalition and moved up in the ranks to become the Director of Policy, twice testifying before the U.S. Congress. Since retiring, um, Freddie Lee Johnson has refocused on his music. Um, your performance is in collaboration with the Formerly Incarcerated People's Performance Project, and uh, and Taking Care of the Long Tone was written and performed by you and directed by Mark Kenward. And um, so who wanted you to talk a little bit about, about this work, uh, Taking Care of the Long Tone, and about okay. your art in general, you know, and how, how central that is to your life. Okay,
6: great. Uh, I want to first of all thank Thomas, you, yourself, Wanda, for uh, providing this opportunity, okay, to, uh, to really express this um yeah taking care of the long tone um the music music has been such a uh well, it's just been my life you know i started playing trumpet at 15 years old uh walking down the street i was hitchhiking around the country i was in denver colorado and i saw a trumpet in the window it just reached out and grabbed me and i went in and i bought it and uh um, just started playing did the best that i could do and and like this is really about really about all the when i look back the mentors that i've had in my life people who just helped me i would not have survived if it were not for people uh helping me uh, i didn't realize it at the time um, for for instance, well let me jump. Let me let me jump ahead here. This is why, like this, the solo performance uh, that I'm involved in now. I, at 71, I'll be 71 this year. I'm just realizing, you know, how many people have mentored me and helped me along the way, even in prison, and the long tone. Let me uh, talk a little about that. A long tone is when you first, when you warm up and you play your trumpet, your instrument, and you just hold that note. And it's so much in that note. It's just, you know, hold it. You play it pretty. You play it. Just feel it. And my first teacher, he emphasized that. He said, play the long tone. He said, it's all about the long tone. And that has uh, helped sustain me through the years, even when I, times when I, I stopped playing trumpet through, you know, drug addiction, things of that sort. So this is, to me, this is just another, like, a mentoring program. I really uh, uh thank Thomas uh, for including me in this, uh, you know, and so I think if you, if I took some questions, it could help me along and um, maybe explain something a little more.
0: Oh sure. Well, I remember. I mean, I, I've known your work for a long time because um, we have a, a mutual friend, and and you were a part of his play that he wrote about the uh, the hunger strike and in, in the California state prisons. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And um, and then uh, you were. Doing some work with a theater group out of the marsh, and everyone in this theater group, I think um had a history um with law enforcement. I'm not talking about a good history <laughs> you know like it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was the kind right. of you like, oh, I'm so happy I'm done with that and and you you performed um parts of this work um and i and I had an opportunity. You like sent I, I, I made some comments and then you sent me, you know, some work to read. I'm like, Oh, this is so good. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. And and just, you know, the way you write characters, you know, your mom and your siblings and, and how you know, you thought you really could play and and, and you know, in this wonderful um community that you became a part of as an artist, as a young artist and you like you mentioned the mentors. So is this the story is this the same story um in another iteration continuing cuz i know you you've been working on it for a minute um this particular piece that you're going to be performing is this um like is this this is this it like <laughs> is this the work that yes, you've been working this, this on is,
6: yeah this is this is the work that that i've been uh working on and things mm. just keep un- unfolding you know, yes. it keeps unfolding and it's um and but I just like to emphasize without the people without mm-hmm. the um, programs I've been involved with, the formerly incarcerated people's uh performance project and with with what Thomas is providing, with with uh the black men embracing our life, things of this sort with yourself, um that's why I sent you the um, the piece, you know, to get you, cause I really respect your, your opinion. This, this is what sustains me. This is what keeps me going living and it's kept me alive. So this mm-hmm. is, this, this is the same piece. Oh, um, nice.
0: yeah. Yeah. mm-hmm, Yeah. Well, um, I remember you know in our in our dialogue going back and forth, you know we sort of talked about some of these these voices, and we talked about you know you're being a young i mean it's really great you know when when you get to revisit a young self in the arts like. You can write your character like, okay, well, I can't physically go back there, but I can definitely go back there in the arts. So I could be me again in that period, you know, and and have some insight that I didn't have when I was 16 or 14 or 15. And and I think you write about addiction, um, and you would also write about brutality, like it was really violent, and and how that really impacted you. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, you know, Thomas mentioned courage as a theme. And there are, like, so many themes running through your piece, taking care of the long tone. And it's sort of like how we come to know what is the long tone. I mean, because it is a thing. Um, but I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, some of these themes, you know, whatever ones you like. I'm thinking addiction. I'm thinking brutality. I'm thinking violence. Because, um, whoa, I mean, your household was like, how did you live through that? <laughs> um, Yeah.
6: Yeah, it it's it's like so many other people, brothers and sisters, uh, experienced this as well. But come it was a very violent uh household that I grew up in. It, uh, and um I was scared to death all the time. There's a lot of fighting. A lot of fighting between my mother and my father and a lot of I mean, just blood all the time, just it was just um, but it became the norm that's what i knew that's that's what I knew, and there came one particular time when and and, and let me just say to me and my brother, we used to play with our toy soldiers, and there was always blood around, and we used to play with our soldiers in this blood, you know, and uh, to make it more realistic and that that was the norm for us and I I'm also physically challenged you know i was um uh born to have one short arm that um that was a medical mishap you know they used forceps on me uh when I was doing birth so that I heard my mother one time tell my father call him a um a cripple so and so because he had polio and uh that was a game changer for me. I just, I said, well, how does, how do you look at me? You know, uh, and I left. And I, around 10, 11 years old, I started shooting dope. I started, I, I had a heroin habit. And uh, from there, I just started, I just started traveling and hitchhiking around the country. And I ended up in Berkeley. California, a whole different world, you know, different world. Hippie, you know, community, people, you know, um, activism, so on and so on. And that led to, you know, and things that I I ended up in prison, ended up in San Quentin. And I think the point I want to make is all these things happening, I'm realizing that this, without planning this, that I'm coming back, and I stayed here, let me just say, I stayed in California, I came from New York, I stayed in California until I was 30 years old and I went back to New York, but I'm back here in California, I'm back and forth to New York, and I'm doing something positive, it wasn't planned this way, but I had the opportunity to do something positive with my life and helping other people. And a lot of it is through performance, solo performances, because the uh, previous show that I was involved in, it's called Solitary Man. It was written Mm -hmm. by Charlie Hinton. And, um, yeah, and and it was, I said, well, I'm back here doing something positive. and it's just been happening without planning it's been happening like this all over the United States. Coming back to New York. So and without this without this um mentoring and people reaching out and helping me, this wouldn't be it wouldn't be possible because I mean, talk about forgiveness and redemption. I mean, at times, I still feel like I sh- I shouldn't even be on the streets at this point in my life. That you know, a lot of people that I've been blessed. So I just try to do whatever it is that I could do to help other people. So, but um, your questions would be would would help me. I just, cause I'm kind of all over the
2: place right now. Hey, Wanda. Uh huh.
1: Wanda. One of the things yes. that Freddie mentioned, that Fred had mentioned, that's I find characteristic in all the, you know, the guys that I'm working with, is this yes. sense of wanting to give back.
2: Mm. That
1: is so, you know, critical and crucial and so good. And um, uh, I, I find that as, as a theme. I just want mm-hmm. to share that.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to circle back, uh, Freddie. Um, because um, I want to give Vernon a chance to share. Um, sure. I don't hear my echo. But I, I really am looking forward to to seeing where the work is now. I would just, uh, as you all were, because you you, um, it was a two, I think it was two weeks or three weeks. Anyway, every time you know you would have an opportunity to do some more writing, and then you would do the work again and like to see and so it's like oh what changed this week that was that was so (laughs) wonderful and then and then seeing the works in juxtaposition which is really nice um the way that afro solo is also set up is that the work all of your work is sort of in juxtaposition to one another but there's also a synergy there uh in the storytelling um uh there there's a community there among you in the storytelling because you all all share something in common um, you know, the obvious. <laughs> you know, that you're you know, you're wearing the same gender and you're wearing the same skin. Um uh but then some of your experiences also overlap. So so that's really wonderful. So Vernon, you've been really patient mm-hmm. and and your piece is called My Name is Vernon. <laughs> and you're a native yes. San Franciscan as well. And um yes, and you I, am. I just and you wanted to know more about your family history and and i know you as an actor in the sf bay area and i didn't know you had been doing this for 25 years you are so phenomenal you were last seen as bono in fences love bono yeah yeah um, <laughs> he is he is not yeah. the man to to like say yes to things that are not right even though he loves loves his friend um and in the bono uh that you played the bono character in fences uh, August Wilson's fences uh, at Lorraine Hansberry Theater um, is where that was produced, and and you also played uh, Duke in Cinderella, and and people know you and African American Shakes and Cinderella, you have a history. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: actually,
0: really actually, it, 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 actually,
3: the, the last time I was in um, Cinderella, I played the Duke, but. David Skillman and I were the first um, evil stepsisters in Cinderella mm-hmm. when we did it at the Palace of Fine Arts mm-hmm. years ago. Yep.
0: Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know. Classic. Mm-hmm. Classic. I mean, you are unparalleled yeah. as the stepsister, you and David Skillman. Yeah. It's like hands down. Like yeah. everyone is like studying. How do we do that? <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: And actually, I've been on stage forty forty plus years
0: whoa really
3: yeah uh-huh. I did my very first show at the um at the Bayview Opera House with mm. uh, Ruth Williams back in the uh late seventies when wow. she was alive and that's, that's why you know they they rededicated the theater after her
0: mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah tell us about her we we don't know her.
3: Some of us. Yeah, well, she was she was very big in in the uh, Baby Hunters Point community back in the seventies.
0: Uh,
3: she was, an, uh, I guess, an activist or whatever. She did a lot of a lot of things. Her and um, I think Miss Middleton and some other ladies. You know, um, I can't think of the lady's name, but she has a street named after her up in Hunters Point. You know, mm-hmm. so. They were really big in the community. And I came up at a time where the the Black Panthers, you know, had the uh, free meals at the Major Opera House back in the day um, before the riots when 3rd Street was almost black owned and operated during that time. But after the riots, you know, we destroyed our own properties and stores and Uh, a lot of the black um, businessmen couldn't recover, you know, and that's when the other people came in and bought up the property, and and now that's why you have, you know, stores that's not black-owned and operated. Bell's Mm -hmm. Cleaners, I believe, is still there. They had a record store, too, and he's probably one of the um, only people left you know, business owner from that time. But, you know, theater to me it is what got me out of my addiction. You know, I was addicted to cocaine um, at one time. And, and, yeah, I lost my job and everything. You know, I was a functional addict in the beginning, but then, you know, that didn't last too long. It became a problem. And so I lost my job, and I was out of work for for many years. And I was watching a program on Channel 9 with Gregory Hines. And, you know, he was talking about how, how the stage made him feel, you know, after the shows and people clap and give you all the accolades and everything. And I had drugs on me, and I threw the drugs in the toilet, flushed them, you know, went to sleep on a friend's floor, cried all night. Woke up the next day, did the Toyota kick, looked in the paper for an audition, got an audition, auditioned, got a part. And from then on, you know, uh, I believe the stage saved my life. Mm.
0: Wow. Wow. What what was that first um, performance? What was that first role that you um, auditioned for that.
3: That it um... was. It was a musical, and it was from the, these people from Los Angeles. Um, can't remember the show, but we did it at at uh, USF, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, because I, I sing also, you know, with um, Jeffrey and the in the San Francisco Recovery Theater, we we do music as well, and mm-hmm. from then. You know, uh, I, I just kept going. You know, worked with with the um, Full Circle Theater with Donna Lacey. You know, mm-hmm. the um, African American Shakespeare and uh, mm-hmm. Sherry and Lorraine Hansberry with um, with uh, Stanley and Quentin and you know. Jeffrey and and now I'm working with Thomas and and I met Thomas about a year and a half ago through Jeffrey, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad to be a part of this program. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. And I met you some. I met you years ago. You you've really given me some uh, good reviews,
0: and I appreciate that. (laughs) Oh, you're you're a great actor great performance artist. Um yeah. yeah. So you mentioned um in what I'm reading about the work is that um uh you've got you got a really different kind of name and you wanted to know as a young person um why the names of your grandparents and great grandparents are unknown to you and something happened. There's like there's like a story there. You know? Um Yeah. And so I was wondering yeah. how do how do you weave this, um this name um, identity question with recovery and theater. Is all of that in, in the piece? My name is Vernon. Yes, most of it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I
3: found out that my, my last name is Portuguese. It's a Portuguese oh. name, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my mother passed away of cancer before she made 50, and I've really never had a chance to really ask her, you know, or oh, my father, you know, about where the name came from, you know, uh, since they're both deceased. So I guess that's something I'll I'll, I'll never know because I, I never really met my father's side of the family because they were from Texas. And every time they went to Texas, I was always performing. So, mm. Uh, it, it, it'll be unknown until the day I got died. I, I suppose.
0: Mm. Are the people, are your family in in Texas? Are they deceased too?
3: I never knew them. So. Oh, you, you don't know, even know how
0: to get in touch with them. Oh.
3: No, not not at all. You know. Oh.
0: Mhm. Not
3: at all. I I never met any of my relatives from Texas. Hmm. My sister did, but you know she passed away as well. She died of cancer, and she never lived to see fifty either. Uh,
1: Mm -hmm. Can I jump in for just a second? Um, Yes. um, Vernon, you might check with uh, some of the uh, ancestry programs because uh, through my research, there's a lot uh, that you may be able to find out about your relatives going through. uh, some of the programs that you can do online I don't know if you had a chance to do any uh, Genealogical mm-hmm. studies But you may find some cousins that You know are looking for you um, So yeah. I, I Hope you don't give up on the idea Because the possibility may exist That you may be able to find some
5: oh, okay. And um, with that
1: name And with that name it, mm-hmm. It's uh, pretty uh, You know that's an unusual name So you probably you may get a lot of hits on the name, yeah,' cause it's not a lot of madeira I met right. some of the madeiraris in in in
3: in San francisco,
2: okay, and i
3: met I met a madeiraris who used who has a bar I don't know if she still owns it across the street from the black repertory group theater Wow you know she she was a madeiraris I went in and I, I talked to her, but only one of the madeiras that that i uh had talked to you know knew my dad.
1: Wow! Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to throw that little tidbit in. Go ahead, Juan. Oh, well, oh no, you. that's.
0: Oh no, that's fine. That's fine. Wow, this is going to be really, really exciting. Um, and and also, um, I um, uh, you know, I think I, I don't know if I met you. Uh, I think I might have met you at one of the Cinderella um performances because they 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 they've all been so outstanding. But I I, mm-hmm. I I saw you often um you know at uh Lewis Campbell's uh multi ethnic because 'cause you're like one of the yes. one of the company um members uh you know yeah. of of that particular theater. The theater. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. actually I'm gonna yeah. be going to Lewis's house as soon as I hang we hang up, I'll be at his house. Today. Oh nice. Nice. How mm-hmm. is Lewis? Lewis is fine. He's 88 years old right now. Mm-hmm. You know, he lost his wife. So oh. uh, I, I, I I spend four days a week with him, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, we're we're working on a, a, a show that's supposed to open sometime in August, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Okay. So, you know, I just uh. try, try to make sure he's okay, you know.
0: hmm yeah, yeah, good man. Um, giving my condolences. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so Vernon, we're gonna move on to Thomas and uh, mm-hmm. because um Thomas has I've I've seen um I've seen the work uh um I think at least twice, um, The Liberation yeah. of Elroy, uh Courage Under Fire, the Liberation uh-huh. of Elroy and, and it it has changed. Every time I've seen it it's something different like you have did but yeah. even if you left it the same i would not mind seeing it again cuz it's such a great story um yeah, and I, I think if yeah but also i think you know it sort of really complements um you know the uh the 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 uh, week 1 um you know program 1 you know black men embracing our light um and then and then the for the second um week to be this work that you have um, written and, and you perform, Thomas, is a really, really, really nice uh, pairing of, of uh, you know, programming. It's sort of really yes. the works complement one another in a real yes. rich way. Yes, I agree. And one thing I like to
1: share that some people ask: Well, are there are there four different sh- four or five different shows? I want people to know <laughs> that on the first week they will see uh, four performances. Mm -hmm. Um, and there will be one show and then the second week I'll be doing my piece which as you said is about my family and I have uh, worked with the dramaturge to uh, bring out a little bit more of the character of if people don't know it's about a barber and what a barber told me that led me on a a mission to find out more about my family particularly my father Mm -hmm. And right. she mentioned that the the barber needed to be fleshed out a little bit more, so I've tried to do that and tried to uh, add some more specificity to it. So, yes, it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And one of the yeah. things
1: that, as I said, talked about the barbershop, one of the things mm-hmm. I've added is barbershops have been very important in, you know, black men's lives because it's one place mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. often gather and have a lot of freedom. Uh, mm-hmm. and I talk about the first, my first memory of going to a barbershop by myself. When I was mm-hmm. about seven years old, this was not a barbershop. It was in a man's house in Nashville in his living room. He had been cutting hair for years and years and years, and this was around 1958, 59, and he mm-hmm. didn't have electrical uh, clippers. He had those uh, clippers where you kind of clip them together, manual clippers uh, What wh- mm. we used to clip hair just watching that and when I went in my brother was there getting his hair cut He was he's like seven years older than me And I thought oh mm. great when he gets out he'll wait for me. We have a good walk back home But when he got out of the chair he left And I was so mm. sad like you left me and later on I asked him You know, why did you leave me you saw me there? I thought we could walk home together and he told me something that I've never forgotten mm. uh, My family calls me Tommy. He said Tommy Time waits for no one. And uh, the profoundness of that has sort of stuck with me just in terms of the cycles of life and mm-hmm. uh, the reality of that. <clears throat>
2: mm-hmm.
0: right yeah. I don't know. Your brother should have waited for you, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but he should have waited for you. He, you were like a little kid fair. seven years. It's your first time getting a haircut. He should have waited for you. Um. Well, he probably had a date or
1: something, you know. There's a big difference, you know, between 7 and 14, 15, whatever his age was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I've never forgotten that experience.
0: Right. Well, it's a really good thing that you knew how to get home from from this, you oh, know, yeah, the, yeah. the barber's house. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. Sure, sure. But Thomas, do you want to tell the uh, audience a little bit more, like, you sort of, because um, this story is also a civil rights story oh, yeah. in your family. Like, your family is like they did so much, and and and, and you know, and you've got you've got. I think your sister, um, like, they they did stuff that you know, appears in newspapers and and some of these more well-written histories of our people. And the reason why people have certain rights now is is because of what happened in your family and what sacrifices your siblings made, particularly your sister. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, the the genesis of the story is that I'm from Nashville. I moved to San Francisco. I went back to Nashville a number of years later to get my hair cut at a barbershop. And when I was there, um, having spoken to the, you know, talked to the barber and got caught up on lots of things that were happening, he leaned in and told me that he was very upset with my father. And I'm thinking, how can you be upset with my father? My father's been dead for 25 years. And what he told me was stunning to me because what, I, what he told me was made me feel fantastic about my father. So I decided to go back into his history to kind of see where that came from. So I traced it back four generations. My great-grandfather was a slave to his father, to my father, to my generation. And in my generation, it was uh, uh, during the late 60s and 70s civil rights. And one of the, one of my sisters was one of the Freedom Riders, so we have a lot of emphasis on that. And we have, a, have another sister who did a lot of... Uh, uh, Protesting and marching in Nashville, and one time she told me that she uh, walked by a couple of police beating uh, a black guy, and we thought that that she was. I thought she told me thought she's been hysterical, but we found the photo exactly that. Mm -hmm. But most recently, she. uh, I mean, she told me a long time ago that she had been uh, beaten by the police and that she was you know harmed and that. Uh, they told she may not be have any kids, and she, has, she wasn't able to have any kids. But what one of my sisters found about seven months ago was a guy who has a photo of her being put on the gurney when she was beaten by the police. So we've got that documentation. Now, uh, one of the things that the documentation says is that, oh, she fainted because she had a heart problem, which gets into what we deal with today in some ways, collusion between the police, the press, this, that, and the other, to not tell the truth. So um, what I'm really trying to do, I haven't been able to do this yet, is go to the uh, – because of the pandemic – go to the, um, the hospital where she was treated, which was in Nashville, one the Black Herod Hospital and see if we can get her records for that day of what she was treated for. You know, this was back in 1964, so they may or may not be available, but thats I'm on a mission to see if I can get those records. Does that make sense?
0: Wow, that would be really wonderful. And yeah. I
1: have a photo of her on the gurney, which I'll have in this show.
0: Mm, nice, nice. Wow. Well I'm really looking forward to uh seeing that. And you and that particular um week two starts um let's see, where are my notes? Uh, well you know Thomas without me looking Le- for. When does week two start? Okay. Yeah, program one program one is the ninth, um through the thirteenth and then mm-hmm. the week um the uh second program. Is oh here it is right the 17th through the 20th, and um, and the 20th is is actually Father's Day, so um, and wow. I know that was intentional, um, because what's really wonderful about about your work, Thomas, is how um, you get to know your father, and 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 understand why he did things that he did that you didn't understand prior right. to your return home. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is really and nice
1: and even understanding some things that he did do uh, mm-hmm. a little bit better. Uh,
0: right. Because mm-hmm.
1: of his growing up in Jim Crow period of time. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned right. that he was of the era that, you know, black people could not look white people in the face without potential harm of being killed. So I never mm-hmm. saw him look a white man in the face. Right. Um, yeah. Which, of course, infuriated me, you know, growing up as a teenager, but mm-hmm. my knowledge now is that if he didn't, he may not have lived.
0: Mhm. Right, right, exactly. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be a really oh, – One sorry. thing
1: I want to share also is that what we're doing may be you know, reach further than what we think. And I say mm-hmm. that because I got an email or a text from someone last night who was soliciting my help to help them raise money for a show that she would like to produce. And the Mm. show she would like to produce is that she had a son, and the son wound up being a gay kid. The Mm -hmm. father did not approve of that and killed the kid. Oh, my
0: goodness. And the
1: father's in prison, and she doesn't want his life and his name to be forgotten, so she wants to do a play as well as uh, a video of his life story. And she's asking me uh, ideas on how to raise funds for that. So I'm like, wow. So Mm -hmm. as I say, we never know how far we might be reaching or touching people, or as I Mm -hmm. said, opening windows. Um, And my other goal for this is I'm hoping that when people hear or see or learn about this, is that we'll give Mm -hmm. them some curiosity about their families so they might go and do some genealogical work Mm -hmm. about their history.
0: Right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all of these stories um, are definitely you know mining, um, you know, the family, and 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 you know sort of mining it for for wellness, you know, mining it for healing, mm-hmm. uh, mining it for forgiveness, mining mm-hmm. it to like take the good and leave the leave what doesn't serve you, you know, because mm-hmm. all of you all are are mature, um, mm-hmm. you know, men, and and so um, so you're able to you've lived a little bit. And so you you know from trial and error uh, in your lives that certain things work better than other things. And so, um, you know, storytelling is something that's a really good way to sort of pass on the medicine, so to speak. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to give everyone an opportunity um, to have some closing words. Um, It's okay that we ran over. I hope I haven't run into any of your plans for um, for this morning. But if you want to, like, in a couple of minutes... um, sort of, you know, um, share closing a closing thought. You can share something from from your play if you like. So we're gonna we're gonna start with you, uh, Larry Griffin, Mr. Griffin, um, since you were the first person.
4: Well, you know, uh uh you know, I also wanna thank Thomas and the rest of the guys, man. We all recovering addicts. And what this did for me you know, one of the things of, of being a recovering per, a recovering addict, uh it, it suggests that you get a sponsor and work the steps, right? For di- this particular uh 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 writing for me was step work. Right? And uh, uh and I wrote a lot of stuff but I never wrote about this part of my life until I got With Thomas, so this was like step work for me. This was was like a, like an inventory, like step four in inventory. I never, this stuff never came up until, you know, Thomas hit Thomas hit a nerve, and I and I I, I thought about that. First time in jail, damn, what was that? Oh wow, I was a kid. Totally forgot about that stuff. So this was uh, a growth you know, but then it was in that same time period, it was some more stuff around adults being cruel to me. It was a couple more other uh, stuff that happened. So that's what that that was, uh, you know, I was some uh, some work. I mean, yeah, that's it.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. And uh, Jeffrey?
2: Are you still with
1: us, Jeffrey? You may have had to step Sorry out. about
5: that. I was on. No, okay. I was on mute. Okay. Oh, Running my mouth. Anyway. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah, I was just talking. Away. I was just saying that you know, you know, having produced a lot of shows and done uh, theater in San Francisco and the Bay Area and. Um, Currently locked in a in a serious battle to reclaim black theater in the in San Francisco because you know it is a battle we're having having a lot of problems you know everybody's struggling especially coming out of the pandemic but anyway you know it just became very personal on so many levels and um, you know we always talk about taking the time to you know, peel the layers back, as Larry was saying, you know, like the fourth step, this gave another dimension to to being able to really self-reflect and to share it, share it on a platform uh, with, with people that may or may not know, uh, you know, how you got here, how I got here, how we got here,
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, that's important to know about your origin stories. hmm yeah, Oh yeah. Very important. Yeah. And uh Mr. Freddie Lee Johnson, uh some closing reflections.
6: Yes. Um community, community. I'm telling you, I feel for the first time. In a long time, part of a community community of black folk that are mm-hmm. making the difference and it gives me it gives me hope, but so I can uh, being frank with you many times i I'd, I'd given up hope, you know mm-hmm. and there's, and there's so many more stories to tell, and this is encouraging me because to help me. Um, find the courage to tell some of these stories, to share some of these stories, with the goal being that hopefully we can move forward. And I'll say this and be quiet. I can be long-winded, that, um, that there's some things I want to talk about that I'm writing about now, black conservatives, uh, conservatives people, black people on on the far right. Uh, things of that sort. Why do we continue to let people? Why did why did people conquer us? You know, mm. uh, things of that sort. And I want to get to the real, this provides me with the opportunity to meet people, run things past people, and ask for help in addressing some of this. And it does not have to be a solo performance. It could be ensembles or whatever, but I want to make a difference that way. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, everybody. Um, I can't say enough.
0: Mm, that's great, yeah. And then you know, um, with with Thomas's Afro Solo, you know, he, he, there's a platform because you know, with with Afro Solo, it's not that oh you performed in Afro Solo and and that's it. Um, no, um, I've seen people bring new work to Afro Solo, so this is a mm-hmm. really good connection you and then you already have the marsh connection so looking forward to seeing all of your work but particularly yours uh uh freddie um i want to i want to see all these stories in whatever way they show up um as solo pieces as ensemble pieces as you know work you set on other folks um yeah yeah all of you um i'm really excited thank you thank you Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Vernon?
3: Yes, well, all I have to say is that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of help out out here for for people who need it. All you have to do is accept it. And I'm Mm. very excited to be working with Thomas.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Thomas?
1: Well, I'm very excited about um this year's uh project as i said is something i've wanted want to do for a while and mm-hmm. something that i hope to continue to do and that is um although we've done a lot of male voices bringing male voices together in an event like this has uh is is very special for me uh so mm-hmm. it's something i want to continue to do
0: Right, right, yeah And, um, you know, these are stories of triumph I mean, you all are still here You're not telling a story about an ancestor Oh, well, um, so, I to So that's say, really beautiful I, want,
1: mm-hmm. I wanted to share that I have worked with a few of the guys That did not make it You oh. know um, mm-hmm. I've had a couple of guys who uh, Who've, uh, you know od basically That they weren't able mm-hmm. to stay on track And that was mm-hmm. very, very difficult And very, very sad And I mean, I was still a little bit guilty about it. Um, and that's why I also praise these guys for being able to, you know, uh, get to where they are because it's not easy, mm-hmm. and I understand that.
0: Mm-hmm. And and so, Thomas, how do people um, get tickets? How do they register so they don't miss well, the performances?
1: We're in the process of updating our website, and hopefully I'll uh-huh. have that done by the end of this week. Uh, they can go to our Afro Solo um, Facebook page. I have information on there, and mm-hmm. we'll be doing a number of more interviews. But um, they can get through with our website after this week, and with our Facebook mm-hmm. page, and through communications such as this.
0: Okay, sure. Because I'm, um, um, I'm reading that the festival is going to take place on demand via Afro Solo's yeah. YouTube channel.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. Um,
0: so they just need to put, you know, because I know you have a Facebook site as well. So they just go yeah. to Afro Solo, um, the Facebook site, um, or to your website, or, or either one?
1: The Facebook site at this point.
0: Okay. All right. Okay. So it's just uh, Facebook at Afro Solo, A-F-R-O, and then S-O-L-O?
1: They can just look up Afro Solo Theater Company, and it will pop okay. up. Okay.
0: Okay. Great. Is there a phone number or anything? Would it like they can call me,
1: as, uh, <laughs> since we're doing the pandemic right now, they can call me at my home number, which is 415-346-9344.
0: Okay, and do you want to give an email address?
1: Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, at Afrosolo, A-F-R-O-S-O-L-O dot org.
0: Okay. All right, great. Okay, super. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for this marvelous conversation, and I'm um, looking forward to seeing the work. And uh, yeah, continue, um, you know, continue the writing and performances, and please, you know, keep posted on what you're up to so I can support you um, in the work and also attend.
1: All right, thank you very, very much, also, Wanda. We uh, just greatly appreciate what you do for Afro Solo, but for the community at large.
0: Oh, you're quite welcome. You all take good care.
1: All, right, all right, Thank you.
0: Take you, care. Uh, Thanks a lot. Oh, you bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right, Bye. You. You're welcome. Bye-bye. bye-bye. So I want to give a couple of announcements. I was trying to broadcast um, uh, the Legacy um, Film festival interviews I had with i think uh um, well uh director subject teams as well as the um the founder of the legacy um, um legacy um film festival on aging which started monday the 24th and it continues through this coming monday the 31st and it is a virtual film festival and the interviews were so interviews were so nice um but i i can't seem to get it up um so i'm going to have to play something else and and rebroadcast this at another point maybe maybe i'll just have a special broadcast maybe on thursday um but definitely you know um Run don't walk uh, to to be able to take advantage of things that's like forty eight films this particular festival and and the way that you um, you get uh, tickets for the programs is you go to legacy film festival on aging legacy film festival on aging and um, and the programs are eight dollars per program or you can just Pay fifty dollars for all the films and and they are marvelous and they have different they're grouped by themes and um and and the work is is just superb um it's really superb the longer films um are like seventy one is seventy three minutes but that's you know but most of them uh, are around forty forty minutes yeah the longer ones are about seventy so or so minutes but um, yeah, they're really great They've got films that are grouped in uh, civil rights um, uh, Grouped according to caring And as many dimensions You know, younger people taking care of their parents uh, Adaptation, you know, sort of how you change um, You know, when you get older Sort of the things you have to, you know, adjust to Courage Against Hate, Elder Voices um, Is one of the films in this one um, A film that I... Uh yeah, there's another one called Forever Voters about the League of Women Voters. Um and uh and then there's another called Johnson's List. And then there's Fun and Games. Um, yeah, just really in the memory, reframing disability, uh, uh Savory Traditions, which some of these films are about food, uh, Legacy Shorts, Fresh Views of Later Life. Um, really great and uh, those are really cute and so anyway again um, just go to legacyfilmfestival.onaging.org and um, get your tickets you don't want to miss the festival and um, what else is going on there's a whole lot happening um, because this is uh, Memorial Day weekend coming up long weekend so there's a lot going on and um, uh, there's a lot going on virtually literally <laughs> a lot of festivals a lot of um lot of lot of um webinars and things like that and i'm going to try to you know sort of keep some things up keep on adding some things to uh uh dot com but i am so not not caught up so you're going to have to just Visit some of those sites that you know where things are, and KQED is one of those sites, um, and uh, and Bayview dot com is another one of those sites where you can look on the calendar and see what's going on, and um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I am going to play an interview from the archives that uh, you haven't heard in a while, and it's um. It's uh, Ben Vereen and uh, he was at the Razz Room back in two thousand twelve and you know Ben Vereen was in roots and uh you know Juneteenth is coming up and I didn't know, did you know that um James Weldon Johnson was born on Juneteenth, June nineteenth? And this would have been this year would have been his centennial birth? It's like, wow. Who would have known, right? And um so this Juneteenth is gonna be really special, particularly here in the San Francisco Bay area. Um, there's gonna be um a big program uh in uh Golden Gate Park, um, where three hundred and fifty uh ancestors are going to uh they are sculpted pieces, sculptures sculptures, um that uh Dana King has designed. And um and they are going to be literally holding space um to honor um our legacy as people of African descent in this nation. And it's called Monumental Reckoning and it's gonna be five o'clock on June eighteenth that Friday. And um and if you want information about it, you can um you can go to monumental um dot I'm not sure if it's com or O R G um, but just put in monumental reckoning and you'll you'll pull up information about these um these sculptures that honor African ancestors and uh and then this is this is around sort of reframing um Africa the uh, legacy of African people in this particular uh city and area of of uh, California, and um, I don't know if you all are aware that Francis Scott Key, that particular statue was in Golden Gate Park, and it was taken down last year. And so, to celebrate um, or to reframe um, the legacy of, of people of African descent and to acknowledge our presence, um, there are going to be these these 350 ancestors. As well as the words lift every voice um um lit up on the place where the statue came down, so uh, we're asking people of African descent to wear white, bring your families and uh for, and for everyone to come you know to the to the opening of this this wonderful um wonderful ceremony um which honors you know. African heritage here in this nation, specifically in San Francisco Bay Area, San Francisco, San Francisco Bay Area. So, so anyway, um, just want to give you that heads up so you can put that in your date book. Oh, and the um, for the second year, we're going to have a virtual libations for African ancestors on June 12th, and it's going to be um, if you go to remembertheancestors.com. You can find out information. You can also uh, Facebook at Remember the Ancestors. Um, will also give you information. It's going to start at eight thirty, and it's going to be broadcast in. Um, it's going to be broadcast live that way, as well as in other other formats. But just to find out information about it, you could go there, and you can also, of course, visit Wanda's um, dot com. And I think <laughs> I think I've given you all the announcements that I have right in this moment, and and so now I am going to um, to play this interview with um, Ben Vereen. But I always like I always like starting with his his piece, Defying Gravity, um, because um, we can't let anything hold us down or hold us back. Because our ancestors didn't. So um, even even with a natural phenomenon. We have, to def- we have to, like, resist that, too. Like, no, we're not going to let anything hold us down. So this is Defying Gravity, and then we're going to move right into this interview with Ben Vereen. Thanks for joining us today. Peace and blessings.
7: Wicked. I went into the show with Shoshana Bean, and each night I'd hear Shoshana sing this song. I'd like to do a for now. Something has changed within me Something is not the same I'm through with playing by The rules of someone else's game Too late for second guessing Too late to go back To sleep. It's time I trust my instincts, close my eyes, and leave. It's time to try defying gravity. I think I'll try defying gravity, and you can't hold me down. Accepting limits Because someone said they're so Some things I can never change But till I try, I'll never know So tired of being afraid of Losing love I thought I had lost Well, if that's love It comes at much too high of cost I'd rather buy Defying gravity It's like a prophecy.
0: I'd like to know. That is so cool. Well, gosh, um, hmm, maybe we should uh, talk about what's bringing you out here to San Francisco. You've got uh, a new CD, and you've got a new show, and maybe you could tell us about what you're bringing to the Razz Room uh, June 12th. What
8: I'm bringing to the Razz Room?
0: Yeah, yeah. What Greatness. a pe- great <laughs> Mm-hmm. Of course. Give us some details. <laughs> Who? Because I think you're bringing a band, right?
8: Yes, I am. Yes, I am.
0: And some new material?
8: Yes, yeah, some new material. And, you know, I'm working on a, a show that I'm taking to Broadway.
0: Mm. So, so I'll
8: be working on that there. And so it's going to be exciting.
0: Oh, so you're gonna test it out on us? That's great. We love mm-hmm. that. Okay, so you're gonna be, um, I believe, um, sort of bring uh, back some some old favorite tunes and honoring some, some of your favorite goodies. folks. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oldies but goodies. Yeah. That's...
8: Oldies but goodies. You know, <laughs> people that you know that we grew up with and have touched my life. You know, people I've worked with. Mm-hmm. You know, Sammy Davis, Frank Sinatra, you know people yeah. like that. Bob Fosse, uh, mm-hmm. Tom O'Horgan, you know, and hair. I did hair matter back right there in San Francisco. You did. You him theater. Yeah.
2: Wow. I came up some
8: time ago and I found I discovered a guy named Michael Philip Thomas.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh. And he
8: did. He was doing burgers. So I hired him in Los Angeles, and uh, he hurt his back. And so they called me to talk to the Opium Theater to cover for him. Mm. And that's when we, you know, we really got to be good friends years ago.
2: Mm. And then I was at
8: the on-Broadway Theater where there's no place to be somebody. Charles Cardone's play. Mm-hmm. And it was so San Francisco and I have a history.
0: Yeah. I lived
8: in Berkeley for a while.
0: You did? Yes, I did. Wow. As a matter of fact, there was a guy
8: named Wasserman, I believe. Mm. And uh, he wrote an article on me. I did my first concert at the on-Broadway Theater mm. in those years. And got my launch there. Really? hmm
0: Wow. Wow. So, <laughs> so you have some dear memories of the Bay Area.
8: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh, well, that's dear, funny. Dear, huh? dear, memories.
0: <laughs> wow, that is so awesome. I was reading your lovely, but I just love that caricature of you on your on your website. It's so cute. Well, thank you. And thank then you. your photographer, you got some great photographs, you know, when they're sort of, um, you know, going through the... Um, you know, sort of showing you the different different looks of Ben Bernie Barine. Yes,
2: yeah. <laughs> Those are really Thank nice you.
0: too. And you've gotten like what ten doctorates? <laughs> is that right? Yeah, I'm like, well, you're that like, of we, them. yeah, wow. Well, I was like, mm, so wonderful. And I was looking at one was from um, the Megar Evers College there in, in Magher um, Evers. Yeah. yeah. Is that in Brooklyn? No.
2: Yes. It is yeah, it Brooklyn.
0: is Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. And they sponsor. Um, a uh, a ritual every year the second saturday in june it's called um libations for the ancestors and it's a an international pouring for our ancestors that uh died or made that passage you know during the uh the european slave trade and um really I didn't know yeah, that yeah yeah and so and it's a really well, old I'm celebration i'm honored
2: Mhm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, wow, how fitting, um, you know, sort of looking at, you know, your your really famous role in, in roots. And I was watching some of the segments on Oprah's, um website. And oh, yes,
8: when we did the reunion.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and the yes. part where you talked about how you really wanted to be in the the the, uh, the film, and, and how your agent was saying, well, you know, you're a song and dance man. They need an actor. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. 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 That was yeah, funny.
8: Yeah, I, I fired him. <laughs> oh, good, good.
0: You need someone, vision, someone with yeah. vision, for exactly. sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, and so I was wondering if you could talk about you know, I was thinking wonder well, if we could start with you know that chicken george character um uh and um and sort of you know your preparation you know w- within your life for that role uh as the child of 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 a rape and um and then you know sort of being known by that uh you know that bird, the chicken, the chicken which is used to venerate the ancestors and mm-hmm. and you know sort of stands for you know, life, you know, fertility, because oh, every look day... At you, look at you, look at you, you've got it all down. <laughs> if you read this, write it. <laughs> well, you might not agree with me, you know. Thank you, my queen, thank
8: you very
2: much.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I just thought about, you know, sort of the whole renewal, and then and then within your personal life, um, you know, finding out that you have another family
8: mm-hmm. after having... That the was, water- That wasn't until later.
0: Yeah. In years.
8: My mm-hmm. my baby daughter, Karan, mm-hmm. came to me one day and said, Dad, you know, you know, Mom has her history, but we don't, you know, you, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I decided to go for my search. It's interesting that I did Roots, and I really didn't have any knowledge of my past until, you know, I went to Europe uh, with Sammy Davis, Jr., and... Uh, he said, you know, you have to get a passport. And I went down to get a passport, and I found out that I wasn't who I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, And that's when I my search began. You know, so for me, doing Roots was really interesting because I was doing a part of a, a story about legacies, but I hadn't found mine. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so
8: it was quite overwhelming. It was quite overwhelming. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So, yeah, I was wondering, so, When you, when you, um, like you have, it sounded like you had a wonderful, you know, childhood and and family that raised you, um,
8: Oh, you did? I did. Most yeah. yeah, yeah. Love was mm-hmm. You know, it was interesting because when I, when I found this out, the woman who raised me, Pauline Green, mm-hmm. uh, she, uh, when I found it out and I came back from Europe and I looked at her, and she was really taken by this whole discovery because she would have never wanted me to know.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
8: uh, and I looked at her and I told her, I said, you're the only mother I know. You're the only eyes I saw when I looked up, you know, so you're my mom, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we left it that way. That's when she came and she told me what had happened. Know, and uh, she told me about my mother, and uh, well, my daughter said, "You know, Dad, we got to find you know who your people are," and uh, we went looking,
0: mm-hmm.
8: and I found them about uh, oh four years ago, five years ago now.
0: Oh, it's been that recent.
8: Yes, and that reason.
2: Oh, you know. okay.
8: And this more well, interesting thing, and I'm writing it in my book, is that they lived an hour. My mother, my original mother, lived an hour away from me, but she didn't know who I was. She went looking for me, hmm. and uh, when you know, in 1946, when you say you go to the police and say you know I've lost a child, they weren't interested, you know, of course, oh. she's an African American woman, you know. Hmm. So she stayed there two years looking for me, wow. and um, and then she went to she lived in Connecticut. 1 hour away from me. So mm-hmm. you got to read the book cuz it's very interesting about how we got back together. Yeah. She's no longer with us of course.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, she passed. Um yes. That's that's amazing. Um Yeah, and so how how did your mother, you know, your your mother, you know, who raised you, how did she how did they find you?
8: Uh well, it's, it's a couple of stories. One is that my mother um, is the book. Yes, <laughs> read the book. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. Well, I will totally read I'm not one of those people. You tell me the punchline and I don't listen to yes, the joke. Yes, she, you, um, you tell me the ending and I will still read the book. Don't worry.
8: Okay, wonderful. <laughs> well, what happened was, was supposedly my mother, um, my my birth mother, yes. was, uh, they met when, and in a storm. And um, she was my, supposedly quite a story. I like got that she was homeless,
2: mm-hmm. and
8: uh, my mother took her to the woman who raised me. Took her to her, her uh, apartment, mm-hmm. and uh, after I was born, she was said the woman left. But that wasn't the story. But I found out, mm. and um, so when I found out that see, my mother actually left her left her with friends there, left me with friends in in miami, went back to look at my sister and brothers to take care of her children she had prior to another marriage, and came back, and I was gone mm. oh so that's okay. that's the story I got from my from my family,
0: from right me, you know the mm-hmm. Pearsons, yeah, hm. Mm. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and and then your character, um, you know, Chicken George, um, you know, he goes away and then he comes back and um
8: he his family and then brings his family to
0: freedom. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then he tells his grandson the story of that first African. That's right. <laughs> it's like come a full circle and that's
8: and, that's it's, right. and
0: it's and it so marries your real life, doesn't it?
2: Yes, it is. I mean, it's
0: like, <laughs> it's so whoa, what's going on here? You know, the synergy, you know, yeah, the serendipity. You know,
2: what's so is that, you
8: know, how I got that role.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, out
8: of all the actors, because I wasn't an actor. I'd done Pippin, I'd done Broadway, mm-hmm. but I hadn't, done, I, hadn't, I hadn't been in any films or anything like that and it was fortuitous that uh, the producer happened to be in the audience of one of my shows. I used to do a character called Bert Williams, who, you know, was one of our early performers, Great Stars,
2: mm-hmm.
8: who, you know, suffered the ridicule of prejudice in this country, and uh, you know, he said, I don't mind being, you know, you know, a black performer. He says, but in America, it's an inconvenience. That was his line, mm-hmm. and so I used to do a parody on him, which I got ridiculed for, you know, but I used to do a parody on him about the ridiculousness of what we had to go through, and I was doing it in some Georgia, and I looked up one day, and there was the producer, Stan Margulies, in the audience, and he saw my Bert Williams, and he came backstage, and he said, I want you to be my Chicken George. I didn't know who a Chicken George was or what a Chicken George, said. We hadn't read the book, and I said, yes, because I'd heard about it, Mm and then boom, and I got the role, and it was uh, quite a journey. Right. Quite a journey. To this day, Mm -hmm. we still talk about it. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, It's 30-some-odd years later, we're still talking about it.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, because it was for you. It was definitely for you um, in a lot of ways. I mean, and it's probably yeah. becoming more and more yeah. apparent why as as you know you have you know as the years pass and the moments pass. Like wow, yeah. Because I was just thinking about when I when I read that story about Burt Williams and you know you're you're portraying him, and and I thought about. You know the menstrual tradition and mm-hmm. and the Scottsboro boys you know mm-hmm. on Broadway yeah, you know as yeah. a musical yeah. and reverse menstrual with the black folks wearing white face <laughs> yeah. and um and then and then, I don't know if you know um this uh uh p- playwright which you probably do her name is cuz she's she's in New York and and you know the folks there um, Dale o- or Smith mm-hmm. um she oh, yes. Di- yes. oh you do know okay well she's she's at Berkeley Rep now um uh, doing her Black and Blue Boys Broken Men beautiful. beautiful yeah yeah and um and I was just thinking about you know your humanitarian work and and your lectures around um around a lot of a lot of things about sort of things that encourage young people, particularly young men and and women who might not have everything they think they need in their lives to be successful, you know, how to, you know, how to be resourceful.
8: Well, it's oh. all within you, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. It's just
8: happening yeah. within you. You know, we look without for everything, but we need to look within, because within is all the resources that we need. You know, recently my, my, my last uh, grandchild was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Moses. And, um,
0: Moses? And wow. Moses. <laughs> <laughs> so
8: I, uh, you know, my daughter gave me my my, my baby uh, grandchild. He's two years old. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in the, in the uh, room when he was born and put him in my hands, and I watched the, the pigmentation coming in, hmm. and it seemed like the Spirit was saying, if you need me, I'll be right in here, hmm. inside here, and we look outside for it, but within us is all that we need. Within us is the legacy, and we, and we teach from within, without, to go out, and then we have our legacy in us, and all that we need is in Spirit,
2: hmm. within us. You know, and that's
8: what I try to that's what I try to teach or that's what I try to teach from when I'm teaching an acting class. So I you know, teach seminars of that nature.
0: Mhm. You know? Right, yeah. But then, you know, you look at um, you know, characters that uh Adele, um paints in in her, her current play that she's performing and these children, oh my goodness, their parents are so so broken mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. These kids, I mean, they do they do, you know, they do look within and Mm -hmm. and they and 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 some of them are able to do some really remarkable things but then when they become adults they're still broken. So Mm -hmm. then so then they have flashbacks because of that Mm -hmm. trauma. So so what do you what do you do when the support network is not there to help you realize that you need some help to become truly healed?
2: Mm, That you you look like you look within yourself, but
0: there's not enough there because you don't have the tools because you're a little kid.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes.
8: So around you. You know, I believe that, you know, we're surrounded by angels that support us. Mm. Look, I was a kid from Brooklyn. I'm a kid from Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. You know, and, 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 and all probabilities I should not be who I am today. But one day I was sitting on the street corner. And I'm doing my kid, I'm doing, I'm doing my kid thing. I was about six years old, six, seven years old.
2: Mm-hmm.
8: And this gentleman comes walking down the street, you know, my white brother, you know, comes mm-hmm. walking down the street. Out of all the kids on the block, he points to me and he says, is your mother home? And he was a, he was a talent scout. Now I was playing stickball. I wasn't dancing or singing. <laughs> I was playing stickball yeah. balls. The destiny. Huh. And I went upstairs my mother said, I want him to go to, to a dance school. She didn't know nothing about the theater. Take him,
2: mm.
8: take him, because I want him to have something better than what I've got. And that's how my journey began. It's like it seems like spirit calls upon that which will make us who we are today if we're open and receptive to it. But how do we teach that to children? When they, You know, they're, going, they're from families that do not have the resources to believe in themselves, to know that it's going to be all right because they've come to the planet to make it better. How do we give them those resources and teach them that? You know, we teach them how to make a living, but we don't teach them how to live. Mm -hmm. You know, churches are doing the best job that they can. You know, by relating, you know, well, you know, things going to get better. You know, when you get to heaven. (laughs) 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 But what about bringing heaven to earth? Mm
2: -hmm.
8: You know, and that's what these children come—they bring us heaven by just being here on this earth. They bring a baby, a child born, is heaven on earth, and then we, then we, then we educate them. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah,
2: they enlightening them. them yeah, you
8: know? mm-hmm. enlightening them. You know, <laughs> so I, I, I try to in my teachings is try to touch that within them, to let it express itself, and from that basis, that's where I, that's why I work when I teach classes. Mm-hmm. So within out, not from out in.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. As long if you could talk about you know your attraction to storytelling um, via performance art and. Um, yeah, and and how you used, um, you know, um, your personal journey to inform your ethos. To, to, to excuse me. <laughs> to, yeah, your ethos. My ethos. Yeah, my yeah, your ethics. You know, your your principles. You know how? Yeah, because yeah, I mean, you've been you have a really extensive and long and. And very well decorated, you know, and so far as all the different kinds of awards one can receive And mm-hmm. honors one can receive, you know, career And you're still going strong, I mean, like mm-hmm. seriously So, you know, a lot of times people don't last in, in the business of entertainment Because yeah, there are a lot I of distractions
8: feel I feel blessed mm-hmm. I have to say it's something greater than myself
0: Because
8: mm. myself I probably wouldn't get out of bed in the morning <laughs> So something greater than myself makes me get out of bed in the morning. Something greater calls me,
2: mm-hmm. you know, and I
8: just have to give honor to that within me, you know, that you know that which keeps me going as long as I'm here on this planet called Earth. You know, something within me greater than myself is the reason why I do what I do, and I give honor and praise to that, calling God, Allah, Jesus, Elohim, Yahweh, whatever you choose to be mm-hmm. divine, it works.
0: Right, yeah. So this this attraction to storytelling, um, you tell mm-hmm. storytelling, you tell stories. I do. I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> yeah, talk about that that storytelling. I mean, that's that's real basic to to the human, you know, uh, oh, species.
8: <laughs> you know, Alex Haley was a storyteller. Yeah. You know, I I just tell stories of my life, and hopefully somebody will be inspired.
2: Mhm. And
8: those are the stories that I have to tell. And so I tell from a place of knowing. And in doing so, you know, somebody says, I get it. And then I feel that my, my job is, 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 is being done. When I do my shelves, uh, and doing songs, I try to tell the story that is personal to me. And somebody out there is having a similar
2: mm-hmm.
8: um, situation. Right. And they can go, oh, I get it. And, and so that's why I love what I do, because I'm able to touch people as they touch me.
2: Mm-hmm.
8: It's a give and take sort of show. We, we we share,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. And I've the,
8: had some wonderful mentors. Mm,
0: you know, yes, you have. My,
8: along my path, you know. So I'm just, and I, and they're still coming.
2: Mm. They're
8: still coming, you know. And I get to share with people. I get to share with people like Usher. I get to share with people like Karen you know, um, Terrence Howard. I get to share with people that you know, uh, you know, Big uh, Boy, and you know, and those guys. Mm-hmm. And I get to share with the young people today.
0: Right. Right, yeah, yeah. I was reading Harry Harry Belafonte's um, memoir, which is that's an endeavor. I don't know if yours is like seven, almost eight hundred pages long. Is your is your book that long? Well,
8: it may be long. It may be long. It may be one page. But
0: it was a it, it was a fabulous journey. My song and and in in his book, I just love these type of of journeys because. He's lived long enough for it to be, you know, sort of really epic. And you, so you're reading a history book uh, mm-hmm. as lived by this person. And similarly, yeah. when one reads your book, mm-hmm. you know, as you're writing, one is going to be reading a history book through mm-hmm. your life, which makes it a lot easier to remember because because we'll be identifying with you. And we like you. So we'll remember the details. Thank you, Thank you my queen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, – I so wanted you tell us, tell us about, give us some stories. I mean, you know, you you had like some some of your mentors are no longer with us, and some of the folks mm-hmm. you you hung out with, um, Gregory Hines, Sammy Davis oh, Jr. Gregory. Oh my Gregory. goodness, they're yeah, not with Greg, us anymore. Yeah, Nina well, Simone, Greg, you know.
8: Yeah. Well, Gregory. Yeah. Uh, Gregory, I went and saw Gregory in Jelly's last year. Mm. Uh, prior to uh, it was uh, it was ninety two. Yeah. Uh, when I had, we were 96, when I had my, my accident. Mm. And when I came back, uh, you know, started working to get myself back at Kessler back in East um, up in Jersey. It was my birthday that year
2: mm. and I wanted
8: to see a show. So I said, I want to see Jellies last year. Mm. And I went to see the show. And Gregory and Savion Glover and the cast just mm. did a magnificent job. And after the show was over, was, you know, Greg was standing there taking his bow. And he stopped it, stopped his bow, and he said, "Introduce me in the audience." And then he came up and he said, "Listen, then if you can get ready, Keith David is leaving the show. Come this way,
2: hmm.
8: come this way." And at the time, I could hardly lift my leg. I mean, I had I had a trach. Hmm. and I had they had taken my spleen. I had a broken leg. I had you know, I had a stroke on my right side. He said, "If you can be ready." come this way. And I got there. I opened that shell. <laughs> wow. I opened that shell. And people, and the doctors said, would say things like, you know, when I first had the accident in 1992, had the accident, oh. um, the doctor said, Psh, it's going to be at least three years before you'll ever walk again.
2: Hmm. And
8: uh, as far as his career, I think you should think about another career. So when they sent the occupational therapist to work with me on my motor skills. I didn't know what an occupational therapist was. Mm-hmm. I thought there were people who show me how to get a new job. I'm <laughs> <You know>? also <laughs> uh, so too
0: into right now, yeah. no?
8: <laughs> Occupational therapy, occupation, right? because right, right. oh, me how to job. Because so <laughs> he's telling my doctor, telling me you'll never work in show business again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a trach you know, I had, sp- you know, I took my spleen, mm-hmm. I had a broken left leg, I had a stroke on my right side. I mean, that was that was done. Yes. But the letters and the prayers that came through were amazing. Mm-hmm. They gave me encouragement, you know. And then Gregory said come this way and that was my that was a green light
2: mm-hmm. and
8: 10 months later after my accident I walked on stage in Jelly's Lads Jam wow and all the doctors who said it would be three years before I'd walk again and get my career mm-hmm. they were sitting in the audience their mouths gaped open
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
8: and it, I mean, it was, I mean it was, and Lexus sponsored my my comeback mm. and it was packed the place was packed
0: wow, wow.
8: packed standing room
0: yeah, had you been driving, Alexis, when you had the accident?
8: No, no. Oh,
0: Mm-mm. okay. No, I hadn't. Mm. I
8: was driving a
2: Corvette.
8: I <laughs> know <laughs> didn't sponsor me, so I don't drive Corvettes anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, they should have. They should have like sponsored you totally. It's like yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, that is amazing, though. So I guess that sort of really shows a person that if you have something to strive toward. It, it makes it, I mean, the journey was difficult getting from being injured to becoming, you know, well enough to be able to do what you loved again. Yeah, you know what it was?
8: Um, for my, you know, usually in to the Playbill, mm. you put your bio, right? Right. So when they asked me what my bio, I said, for my bio, put footprints. mm. So those who are reading, when they see me on that stage, they know how I got there. You know the story of footprints, right?
2: Yeah,
8: yeah, yeah. It was it was some it was that within Mm. me carrying me. Mm -hmm. It was the God of my Mm -hmm. understanding carrying me. Right. And when I was going through all this. Turmoil and all the heartbreak and all the broken body and my the world was torn apart mm-hmm. and I turned and I said well, you know you promised you'd be with me when I you know when I got into this journey you said you're always with me I said when you when you went through that whole thing it was me carrying you through the storm
2: mm-hmm.
8: it wasn't of your own cognizance. so
0: mm-hmm. you know
8: so I get praise and thanks praise yeah. and thanks mm-hmm.
0: right yeah and then and then your daughter one of your daughters um, was in a really horrific car accident yes there, right? I lost a daughter. I yeah, yeah, it's I like, like, wow. Was that before yes. yours or after yours? Yes, before mine. Oh, my, my. wow, yeah.
8: yeah that, that took me on a spin. Mm-hmm. That took me right out. That took me right out. It's still this day, you know. I've learned to live with it. Mm-hmm. Any bereaved parent out there knows. You know, you learn to live with it, but you never get over it.
0: Mm-hmm.
8: You know, there's a part of your heart that's just, there's, there's a hole. mm mm-hmm. There's a hole there. Right,
0: yeah, hmm Right. Wow. Yeah. I was, um, you know, again, looking at your wonderful website <laughs> yes. and uh and and I wanted you to talk about, you know, some of your your projects and then I wanna go back to Sammy Davis Junior and oh, Nina because, yeah. like and you Nina know, you you're you're an insider. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, like Right, so I want want you to tell us some stories. But I want you to talk about, you know, Stand for Diabetes. That's a great commercial that you have on your website.
8: Thank you. Well, Stand for Diabetes, I I was diagnosed in uh, 2007. um, and I didn't know what had happened, you know, uh, what was going on. And uh, I collapsed, and I was with my daughter. She said, Dad, mm-hmm. she said, she started saying Dad, you don't, you're not hitting all you And I said, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I collapsed after doing a speech. Mm-hmm. And so she takes me to the hospital. This is my baby daughter, Karan,
2: mm-hmm.
8: And uh, so we go in the hospital, and they say, well, you know, if you, 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 your blood sugar is so high. We'd like you to stay overnight and so we can, mm-hmm. you know monitor you. And I said, well, you got my shoe. You're my blood. You're let me go. You know? They said, no, you got you to stay overnight. Mm-hmm. So I stayed overnight, and I was going doing my thing, you know, in the hospital. next next morning, they came in, and I said, you got type 2 diabetes. And I said, and I looked at the guy in the bed next to me, and I said, oh, shame, you got type 2 diabetes, because I know that I talking to me. <laughs> <I>
2: said, I'm <laughs>
8: fendorine. I don't get diabetes.
2: Mm-hmm. They
8: said, no, you got type 2 diabetes. And the thing about it is that, you know, uh, when you don't know, you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so right away, the panic jumps in. You know, you hear about amputation, and you hear about death, and you hear all these things flash through your mind, Mm -hmm. and they flash through my mind. You know, oh, my God, how am I going to perform? How am I going to be back on stage? How is my life going to be? I'm going to have to be because I played a character in Webster some Mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. Where they had this big needles yeah. the guy had to do here you know, the character had to do insulin yeah. and you know the characters thought that he was a drug addict because he had this insulin kit.
2: Right. And so I'm
8: looking, I'm thinking flashing back on the on the website. I'm saying, Well my gun have to be shooting up with a needle. Do you want to think I'm a jokey? I, I, I was this whole thing in my head until I went to my doctor mm-hmm. and he said, No, you can live with this mm-hmm. He said, Change your eating habits And he said, What? He said, Yeah, just change your eating habits He said, Exercise that's when I exercised. Mm-hmm. He said and we're gonna put you on insulin. They put me on insulin. I said, Is that all it is? The
2: mm-hmm.
8: change but eating habits. Exercise and insulin? I mean, do my medication? He mm-hmm. said, Yeah. So I went to a company called Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. I said, Listen, I wanna get out there and talk to the community and let them know I've got I can get diabetes and it's such a high rate. At that time there were twenty three million people living with diabetes in the country. Mm -hmm. Now there's 26 million. So I want to get on the campaign, and I want to let people know we can beat this. Mm -hmm. And that's why I started our website, Stand for Diabetes. Mm -hmm. You know, to let people know we can beat this. You know, it's a simple thing. Change the dialogue around. Stop telling yourself that you have a challenge. No, you have an opportunity,
2: Mm -hmm. an opportunity
8: towards better health. You are not suffering. You're living with. Diabetes, and you once you change your dialogue about, you'll start doing the things that are right for your body, for your body temple, what you've been blessed with. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll stop eating. You know, you'll you'll start eating the proper things for your body. You'll drink more water. You'll exercise,
2: mm-hmm. you know?
8: and you'll do your medication if you're on medication. you insulin, do your insulin. Okay. You know. Mm-hmm. And you can live a good life with it. And if America would take the regimen of people living with diabetes to exercise more, eat the proper foods, we'd have a healthier country. Mm-hmm. Right. we have like, I mean, we're from 23 to 26 million people in this country now living with diabetes. Yeah. And, and if we look at our young people, the obesity is mm-hmm. off the charts. Yeah. So I have to get out there, I have to get out there, I have to get out there for my young people and for the health of, of the people. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been given this for a reason, this diabetes. I've been given it for a reason, not to sit back and, and feel sorry for myself, but to get into the battle
2: mm-hmm. and
8: run front, head on, and say we can defeat this
2: yeah. as a
8: people when we come consciously together and stop being the people. I feel like we li- people live with diabetes like like it's like a doctor's deuces to who. Hmm. You know, we're the who. The people who are living with diabetes are like the who. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows we're here. We're screaming at American Diabetes. are out there, there. Everyone's doing that. Conferences and everything. There's uh, TOYC, which is also a, a company that I went to and said, you've got to help me get the message out there. And I, I, I teamed up with them. And, uh, you know, and they're out there. But how many people know about it? Then we say we wonder why our country is feeling ill. hmm you know, it's the information. We gotta turn the dialogue around. As soon as a person can yes, amputee happens. I'm not I'm not negating that the terrible, horrible things happen. Yes, amputee happens. Yes, death will happen. Yes, all these horrible things happen. But here's the good news. Mm-hmm. If we turn our consciousness around, we could do something about it in our lifetime. Mhm. Right. Yeah. You know, and we'll save our children. We'll save our tomorrow, our generation. We'll, we'll diabetes will go away in our lifetime.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely can. Um, it can. Yeah, it really can. I mean, there are certain certain types of diabetes that really can go away. And like yeah. you said, it's, it's you know what you eat and also your attitude and the exercise is so important because important. it has to do with circulation. And a exactly. lot of times the amputation happens because we're not moving enough.
8: Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, and those people living with type 1. You know, I love this story where this kid talks about the fact that, you know, he wouldn't go out because of the fact that he had to take his insulin and he had type 1. And mm-hmm. He saw his team type 1, and they were cycling, cycling guys who cycle around type, team type 1. They were amazing. And he saw them on TV, and, he's, and he took the, he told his mother, he said, Mom, I'm going to go to the park. And she said, you sure? He said, yeah. He went to the park, and he's sitting there, and he had to take his insulin shot check his blood sugar, mm-hmm. and the kid from across the park saw him, mm-hmm. and came running over, and he looked, and he said, do you have diabetes? He said, yeah. He said, I have diabetes, too. <laughs> because of the fact that he, he came out mm-hmm. and was not ashamed that he had to check his blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Another kid who had to check his blood sugar became, you know, okay with it. Right. And I want to get into the school system. I want to get into the young people. Mm-hmm. Those kids who are living mm-hmm. in school with diabetes, they should be, be supported and become examples of good health. Mm-hmm. because they have to exercise, they have to eat the proper foods, right. and they've got to do their insulin if they're on insulin.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it yeah. sounds
8: simple to me. One healthier country, it sounds mm-hmm. simple to me.
0: Right, yeah, and it, it sort of goes right into a lot of our schools having, you know, gardens for the children, so they're growing, mm-hmm. good, they're growing exactly. fresh food exactly. and, and eating more vegetables. Mm-hmm. We need to embrace that. Yeah. We need to embrace that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot, a lot of, you know, the diabetes comes from not having fresh food, you know, eating exactly. a lot of processed yeah. food. And,
2: mm-hmm.
8: Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Oz has a group called Health Corps,
0: mm-hmm. you
8: know, which I'm, 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 I'm partnering with, uh-huh. you know, because you know, they are there in the school system. And hmm. you know, when you're getting kids to think about health better, you know, better health.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were talking that, um, you know, you use, you know, these potentially, um, you know, heartbreaking or negative uh, news, you know, as an opportunity.
8: Yes, exactly. Because what happens is when you throw out the negative negatives and you try to frighten people, You know, you try to frighten them, oh, you're going to have diabetes, and you're oh, you going to take your leg off, and all these horror stories, instead of telling them, you can live with this, Mm -hmm. you can live with this, all you got to do is exercise more, all you got to do is do your medication, if you're on medication, Mm -hmm. and watch what you eat, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to eat all that sugar.
2: Right. You know, you don't have
8: to you have to eat the whole cake and be a slice, a of a thin slice. You don't know, have to the whole thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know?
8: Be moderate. You know, yeah. Moderate <laughs> and, and with the obesity today with young people, we have mm-hmm. got a job on our hands. Mhm. A big job. To yeah. make our country healthier.
0: Mm-hmm. And make the
8: world a healthier place.
0: Right.
2: Not right. just
8: America, it's the world. Mm-hmm. Twenty six million in America. 7 million who are living with it and don't even know they have it. Yes. And every 21 seconds, somebody else is diagnosed with diabetes. That's a
0: lot We've of people. We've got a job ahead of us. Yeah,
8: certainly. And we certainly. can do this. We can do this.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And then, you know, they... Tell them to go
8: to my website, standwithdiabetes.org. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: yeah, Stan, S-T-A-N-D <laughs> for diabetes, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also... Um, uh, there have been some um, alternative treatments like, you know, the raw food diet exactly. has, has has really helped, you know, exactly. some people like not even need insulin exactly. or need exactly. less I'm medicine. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm a vegetarian. I'm a, I'm
2: a, I raised my hand.
8: Oh, wow. I'm a
0: member. <laughs> that is so awesome. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wow. But that's my choice. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. my
8: choice. It might not be the choice for that person who's living with diabetes next to Mm-hmm, right. They may need something else for their diet. I'm just saying that my choice, my my decision to be, you know, eat, you know, vegetarian or raw is 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 right. Is right for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Huh? Right. Yeah. Hmm. So, are you gonna come out with a cookbook after you come out with your memoir? Probably so. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, because I I was trying uh, raw. I think I was in raw for like about a month, six weeks, and mm-hmm. and I'm gonna have to just be vegan right at the moment because I don't know how to cook enough and I've been hungry.
8: Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, but there are there are cookbooks or, you know preparing books to show you. It's a whole school. I
0: know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather just hire somebody. Just come in and cook my meals for me. The yes, week. there you go. Fix my there meals go. for the week. You know, well, that's what I do. I don't really prepare my foods. I go. I go to. You know, as a
8: vegan, unless you around the corner, I get me a week's supply of food. And I'm fine.
0: Okay. okay. You know, yeah. when I'm on the
8: road, you know, I it, and see being on the road is another thing
0: mm. because
8: in the, on the road, you you don't you can't find you know the foods that I eat in every everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you eat a lot of salads, You know, I choose what I choose, to, you know, to eat. Yeah. And I usually carry what I what I need with me.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
8: my choice. That's that's my choice.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
8: you have to get your own. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah.
0: I found when I was traveling, like when I go out of the country, mm-hmm. one of my suitcases just has food, like uh-huh. nuts exactly. and, and, and exactly. supplements and this exactly. and that. <laughs> yes, because when I fly, I tell them when I fly, I say,
8: you know, give me a vegan plate hmm You know, and I, when I have a chance to order, that's what I do. If I don't I take my nuts and I take, you know, my mm-hmm. food that I eat.
0: Yeah.
8: You <laughs> know? I look at the person next door, and they got all that you know, that's they, for their choice of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not judging anybody. Right. It's right for me, it's right for me, it's <laughs> right for them, it's right for them. Let's all get up to the mountain top together. Don't let nobody on the way.
0: hmm
8: <laughs> You know? Right. Don't kick anybody off the mountain top.
0: <laughs> right. Now, there's room for all of us, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> Wow. So um, tell us about some of your, um, you know, your mentors and uh, so folks Sammy, that... yeah, Sammy, Sammy, Frank,
8: mm-hmm. all the boys, you know, mm-hmm. Nina Simone and, mm-hmm. you know, and all those people. Diana Ross, Wash, Calvin McCray.
0: Mm-hmm.
8: Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are people I grew up on, you know, mm-hmm. Etta James.
2: Wow. Ray Charles. Yeah. Wow. The
8: list goes on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, right across the street from me, had I known when I was a child, I'd have paid a little bit more attention because mm-hmm. it was a, a shoe shine parlor.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And in those
8: days, you had have the blue law in Brooklyn, right? Uh-huh. That meant there was no alcohol on Sunday.
0: Oh, wow. All the
8: liquor stores shut down. So all the deacons from the churches would line up with tip-tap and toe to get their shoes shined. I used to find that strange until I found out the tip-tap and toe was a void that. Hmm. And they used to tap dance while they would shine shoes. Yeah. And they'd pop their rags and they put on a show, you know, for the deacons. When they came in to get their shoes shined and they served them little Dixie Cups. And I thought it was water, but it was liquor.
0: Oh, the deacons had liquor on the blue <laughs> oh, sunday? Oh,
8: yeah, yeah. They'd stack up on liquor, you know, uh, on a Friday and Saturday. And uh-huh. put it in the back. And then they'd sell little Dixie Cups or shots of liquor before the deacons went to church. <laughs> wow! <Whoa. laughs> well, they got their shoes but they would put on a show. They'd pop their rags, and they would dance. And those kids would press our nose up against the window and watch them in awe. Mm. They'd play jazz, and they'd dance, to catch like that, you know?
0: Wow, that's yeah. really cool. I've,
8: I've had people like that in my life. You know. Mm-hmm. I've had I've had a man, you know, Pip Wilson, my God. Yeah. You know, the Jimmy Slide, and you know, uh-huh. had some amazing people touch my life. You know, Sandman Man Sims used to travel around with me, and try to show me how to tap. I'm a I'm a jazz dancer. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Like, he, would, like, he would travel around with me. I mean these are amazing traineers. Whew. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, you know? Mm,
2: wow,
0: you know? Wow. Della
8: Reese. Della Reese, I just went to her house the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah she
0: yeah, was She Della was Reese. here at the restroom. um Yes, I love Della. She is you know? wonderful.
8: She, oh. fact, we're with, she gave me a script. She wants me to work on a director for her. You know, right. so I'm working on that, you know? She could <laughs> have touched my lives. Mm-hmm. Nancy Wilson. Oh, you know, really? Jim, Jimmy Smith, my God. Uh-huh. Come on, you know? Mm. Jesus! Oh, little, wow. little, 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 little! I mean, amazing, amazing, and a James. Yeah, <sighs> wow! I mean, my, the legacy goes on and on. You know, the Temptations, mm-hmm. the OJ's. Oh, oh man. man! You know, the Traneas, as I said. You know, it, when I came to Vegas, I saw. I mean, and it was I, I was I was opening for a guy named um, Alan King,
2: mm-hmm.
8: and prior to that, there was a guy named Buster Keith. And they had a big, huge fan on the stage at Caesar's Palace. And he just standing and leaning into the the wind. That was his act. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was hysterical. Chubby Checker was right across the street. Mm. There was a little kid from Brooklyn, my first time in Vegas, when it was a desert. When Vegas was Vegas. Now it's, you know, Disneyland for adults. You know, (laughs) in those days it was Vegas. Mm. And I'd just hang out with these guys. Mm-hmm. We'd sit around the table. And I'd sit around. I was playing the Riviera. And I'd sit around the table. And there was, was a Bill Cosby, Richard Pryor. Um, there was Shaki Green. There was well, Flip Wilson. There was mm-hmm. um, um, uh, Don Rickles. And they'd be sitting around trying to out-joke each other. Mm-hmm. And they'd start at like 4 or 5 in the morning. And they'd be there until 10 o'clock. And your sides would be hurting. <laughs> hurting. Wow. You know, this is the legacy that I come from.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
8: Sammy Davis.
2: Yeah. My God,
8: Sammy! You know, oh God, he touched my life. Oh, he touched my life. Mm-hmm. You know, we met on the set of. I met him in Vegas. I tell this story in my in my act, mm-hmm. but we met in Vegas, and uh, he 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 once said, "You know, you know, if you want to get this business, come talk to me." And, and then we met again on on a, on the set of Sweet of Sweet Charity.
2: Right. But then he took me to
8: London with him, and that's when I found my family, of course. But uh, you know, we went to London with the Golden Boy in London, and hanging out with him was an amazing, amazing, amazing journey.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've been really
8: blessed. I've mm-hmm. had some wonderful people in my life. The list goes on and on and on and on. When I was in high school, I went to a school called the Bernice Johnson's Dance School.
2: Mm-hmm. And
8: Bernice Johnson one day said, so I want to take my dance troupe over to, uh, to Pittsburgh. And we're going to do the Pittsburgh, the first Pittsburgh Jazz Festival. Mary Lou Williams put it on. Oh, wow. On, Mary Lou
0: Williams? Mary oh, my Williams goodness. Put it on.
8: And on the show was Dakota Staten, Jimmy Smith, oh. Thelonious Monk, um, uh, Harold Getters, oh. uh, and the list goes on, Joe Williams. And he was a, at Mom's Mabley. Oh. And I'm in the wings watching these cats. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like blown away. I mean, it was amazing from Dakota State.
2: Mm.
8: Oh, that's the legacy I come from.
0: <laughs> so wonder you're so great. You've got like all these models like, okay, well, you you know what greatness is.
2: Yes. I do. Yeah,
0: because I just think about our young folks. Um, mm-hmm. The reason why they don't live up to their potential is because they don't know who they are. Because yeah. if they knew who they were, they would say, oh, this is beneath me. I can't do that.
8: Well, we don't teach them that, do we? No. No yeah. no, we teach them how to make a living instead of how to live,
0: mhm yeah 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 wow, wow and and red fox, um oh, red fox, oh God <laughs> yes, <laughs> red fox and
8: Green, all those guys,
0: mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. So have have things gotten easier pig for me, you?
8: Take me, Markham.
0: Oh, for real? Wow.
8: Yeah. Mom's ma I told you, Mom's neighbor. Yeah. There was this gorgeous woman walked into the Pittsburgh Jazz Festival. Mm-hmm. She was gorgeous, mm. and she walks into a room, and Mom's neighbor walks out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man. Now
8: that'll blow your mind. That'll blow your mind. Mm. This gorgeous woman walks in, and then she, she goes in the room and gets into this character and walks out his Mom's neighbor. Hmm.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
8: Yeah, yeah. Flip Wilson, Mm -hmm. as I said, you know. um, Yeah. Godfrey Cambridge.
0: Oh, wow. You know, all these cats,
8: you know. I knew all these guys. Mm. Brock Peters, Mm. you know. I knew all these cats. And, of course, Gregory Hines, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, the Hines brothers, Hines, Hines, Mm -hmm. and Dad,
2: Mm -hmm. you know.
8: -hmm. These are all the guys that I grew up under,
2: you know, watching these guys Mm. Just
8: just blown away. And I wasn't in the theater. You know, the first show I did was a show called The Prodigal Son
2: mm-hmm. out of high school. Uh-huh.
8: Uh, it was directed by a woman named Vanette Carroll. Uh, I don't know if you know her. Mm-hmm. She's, she's an African woman, African-American woman, and she directed a show called Your Arms Are Too Short to Box a Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. That's yeah. famous, and she did the yeah. Sun. And oh. one day,
8: I was leaving the theater, and this guy walks up to me, and he says, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, where's the men's dressing room? And I said, well, it's back there. And he looked at me and said, oh, he says, by the way, he says, I, he said, you're Benjamin Marine, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, my name is Langston Hughes.
2: <gasps>
8: he said, uh, can I buy you dinner? <laughs> and we became good friends. <laughs>
2: Langston Hughes?
8: Are you serious? Langston Hughes. Oh, my God. He, to, he invited me up to his place in Harlem, and he sat there and he gave me two of his books,
2: <gasps> I wonder as
8: I Wonder and, and The Big Sea. Oh. And he told me stories. His travel, stories.
0: travel <laughs> books.
8: Yes, Yes. 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 Langston Hughes.
0: Oh, my yes, God.
8: Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Do you
0: still have the books?
8: Oh, yes. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I oh, do. my
2: God.
8: matter of g- fact, my daughter collects all my stuff because I was, I'm traveling so much. She just holds on to things. She's That's a good. She's a filmmaker for yes. and Oh. So she holds on to things for me, you know. So, you know, she and, she and my, my grandson, they live with me now. So I'm excited about that.
0: Oh, my God. Langston Hughes.
8: Langston Hughes, yes.
0: Oh, did you know James Baldwin, too? Excuse me? Did you know James Baldwin, too?
8: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. James Baldwin and I sat together in Paris. Oh, no, my and, Yeah, in, in, in uh, um, where was it? It was in the south of France. Yeah,
0: because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where Nina Simone lived, too, in south of France. Yes,
8: it was. Yes, it was. And we, I was sitting at the club, and uh, George uh, um, Shearing and, and um, James mm. Baldwin, we were all sitting at the table. And, this, and, uh, and uh, um, that was the night that uh, Princess Grace came to see my show mm. at the Sportsman's Club.
2: Wow. And and I was
8: flying home, and I was flying from to France, uh, from France back to the United States, and I read the paper. That's when she had, she had, she came to see me, and she later she died, oh. uh, she had that accident, um, Princess Grace.
2: Yeah.
8: I, and I did a show called The Night of a Hundred Stars. I don't give me a lot of stuff. <laughs> 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 I'm just i just even diarrhea in diary the mouth now. You just open you open the floodgate now. <laughs> but I did a show called The Night of a Hundred Stars. Mm-hmm. Alex Cohen wanted to have 100 stars on the stage at, at Radio mm-hmm. City. He got over 200 Wow, stars.
2: nice. I mean, I'm walking
8: around, and, you know, people say, you know, I'm, I'm hearing, hi, Ben, and I, I'm in the elevator, and there's Paul Newman and, and you know, and Joanne Woodworth, and, and Sammy Davis, Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. and there's Lauren Cheney, There's, you know, there's uh, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., you know, and, and, and so we, we do this, this picture, you know, on, on these raptors, all the stars, there's 200 and somewhat stars, mm-hmm. and there's a beautiful woman. I was trying to make it down these these steps. And so I reach out, a hand to my hand. And I get down to the bottom of the stairs, and she turns to me. She says, thank you, Ben. And it was Princess Grace. Oh. Yeah, my knees went weak. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then it
8: comes by, now she came back to see me when I was in France
2: mm-hmm. in her hometown.
8: You know, so I met her, you know, Prince Rainier and all those people.
2: Mm-hmm. So I've had a
8: wonderful, wonderful, thankful life.
2: Mm. Yeah. Thankful.
8: I'm so thankful to the to you know, to my God, my understanding that has allowed me this opportunity. The opportunity to talk to you. This is this really wonderful. you. Yeah. You know, and you know, and you know, and your journey. This is beautiful.
2: Thank
0: you. well thank, thank you so much. Thank this you. is um wow, and Well, the audiences are going to just be in for such a treat. um, I'm so excited about coming back to
8: San Francisco. Yeah. You know, I I came up to San Francisco Hmm. driving a mail truck. Really? In the 60s. It was a 1954 mail truck. I lived in it.
0: You lived in
8: it? I lived in this mail truck, and I parked behind the Orpheum Theater to do air. And one morning I woke up and I was being towed away.
0: In, while you were in there?
8: while well, I was in the truck.
0: Oh, man. <laughs>
8: That's how I first came to San Francisco.
0: Wow, San Francisco. I, wow. I mean, they tell you now. They were telling people then, too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they
8: <were. laughs> And I got an apartment.
0: Huh.
8: And I ended up, you know, I ended up, Doing "No Place to Be
0: Somebody" the act by Charles Cardone. hmm Yeah, because I heard about you know "No Place to Be Somebody" because um, Lorraine Hansberry Theater um, um yes. it has, it has a new home now right there on Post. Beautiful. hmm Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know Stanley, uh, you knew Stanley Williams and Quentin, and Clinton, um, Quentin Easter then. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. This is amazing. So, so it's really interesting. You're going to be here June 12th through 17th, just just one week, and, yes. and I can just yes. see how each, each each. I mean, I know you're going to have your routine, but you could actually start out on the one at at one point, and then just oh, over yeah. the course of the of the week, yeah. we just, you know, we leave off where you left off and just keep we on going on with party. the story. <laughs> we
8: didn't have a party. We didn't have a party.
0: I'm yeah. excited about coming home to San Francisco. Yeah, my right city by right the day. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, so who are you? Who's, who's your band? Are you bringing your own people? Yes,
8: I'm bringing um, David Loeb on keyboards. I'm mm. bringing uh, I'm bringing a fantastic cast. Been with me for years. Mm. Um, Mark DiGianni on drums,
2: mm. and a guy
8: named Tom Kennedy on the bass. Nice. And and, and if you're lucky,
2: mm. my
8: son will perform.
2: Your son
8: plays Jim Bay.
2: Oh uh, seriously! If
8: you're lucky, if you're lucky. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's going to come up the last night because we're going from there to Australia. Oh. from Australia, we're going to New York City. And so I'm working on a show, mm-hmm. uh, which we're going to be working on in, in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And we're taking it to uh, Australia. And then we're coming back to Broadway right. and, uh, to open the thing called uh, 54, 54 Below. And then that's the start of a show, which we're calling The Last of the Showmen, which we're going to we're bring back to Broadway uh, next season.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Wow, that's that's really something. So, so you're still working it when you when you go to Australia? Yes,
8: yes, still
0: okay, working still fine tuning
8: it, still, it. Mm-hmm. still refining it, fine tuning it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, then we're gonna then we're gonna blow it out and do a bigger uh, rendition of the show for for next season.
0: Mm-hmm. And
8: I want to bring it back to San Francisco. Oh, that
0: would so, be so yeah, nice. So we're yeah, praying, uh,
8: we're praying for it because it's going to be so really. I get to pay tribute to all the wonderful people who've touched my life,
2: mm-hmm.
8: and talk about what it was like and what it is like. Yeah. yeah, wow. I, I, you know, I, I get to touch some wonderful people. You are know, my godson, Usher. You know, I get to touch, you know, Big Boy and all mm-hmm. these cats.
0: And, yeah, I thought that was so know. cool, you know, that... Um uh, see what was that that film, um, Idlewood. Um Idlewild, yeah. Idlewild, yeah. And then there was another one too, um, where you actually um you know, you were able to to share, you know, voice lessons and acting techniques and things like that. And and basically sort of intergenerational kind of sharing. Yes, you know, being yes. being the elder, uh, you know, and, and, and having, you know, youth or younger artists that are interested. In in yes. uh, in this living legacy that you embody. Well, thank you, thank you. I just want to pass it on. Mm-hmm. It's not mine to keep. Yeah. So when's your book coming out? Huh.
8: <laughs> Soon as the play comes out next year. Okay. <laughs> we try to make it the same time.
0: Oh, nice, nice. Yes. Okay, cool. Well, we've been looking for that. Maybe I can uh, I can have you on again to talk about that.
8: I'd like that. I'd
0: like that very much. Oh, cool! And well, I'm so looking forward to you um, when you come to town with your stepping out with Ben Vereen. That's going be really cool <laughs> at the Razz Room at queen. Hotel Nico. Thank all right, you. super. Well, until then, got a couple of weeks. Um, uh, you know, safe travels and um, and you know, you know, good 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 luck in, in all your in all of your endeavors. And thank, thank you so you. much for this great conversation. It's been so fun. Thank you. All right, (laughs) you take good care. You too. Peace and blessings. Bye-bye.